0: morning, Tyson. Good morning, Jason. How are you doing, man? Good. Not Good. Realizing it was morning, but uh, it's in in my world. It's
1: usually nice. morning. The no matter what time with the Monday, like beginning
0: of the week, new shows or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks for coming over. Oh, thanks Enjoying for having me. For this. Um So Tyson, you are. I think I've explained this before in the podcast, but the reason I started this podcast is because of the record night that you and I are a part of. And I thought it would be really cool to kind of have that same concept, but as a podcast, uh, we realized quickly that having everybody involved in the record night on the podcast would be problematic. Um, so I kind of took the idea and ran with it and this will be episode 18, I believe. Nice. So I'm glad that you can join me since you were part of the inception of the idea of like why we even did this in the first place
1: yeah i don't think i realized that record night was motivation for the podcast yeah it was
0: i kind of had a epiphany one day and uh yeah kind of ran with it from there and I, i initially was trying to figure out how can we mic up everybody and get the turntable going and i mean i could logistically do that but i think um Having everybody kind of on the spot like that could be problematic. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe one day. But I wanted to kind of start small and see. And uh, so far I've had a lot of fun with this. So, nice. it's been working out. Um, I'm excited to have you on because you always play things that are so outside of my realm of what I know and what I've explored in my life that uh, I know a couple things. Like, I'm not going to know anything that you play, most likely. And I'm going to enjoy it because I... Like I said, like, you're coming from a totally different perspective than I come from, and I really appreciate that, so.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I hit the mainstream pretty well, so you might be familiar with some things,
0: but. I mean, that's true. You've played a couple things at record night that uh, I recognized fairly immediately. Um, Nina Simone.
1: Nina Simone's one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I can't. I don't think you played Dead Kennedys. That was Casey.
1: Nope. I played Dead Kennedys. Did you? Yeah. Okay.
0: Please truck. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, ma- I mean, maybe, maybe you'll play something that I, oh. that I know. Point being is you come from a different perspective than most of my friends. So I appreciate that, that outlook. So this will be fun. So, uh, you were born and raised in Hawaii. Yes. 1975. You were born in 75? Yep. Me too. It's a good year. Nice. When's your birthday? February. twenty fifth. really? January 29th. Oh, wow. We're like basically brothers. Nice. And Nick is February 18th. And Ellery is February 21. Jeez. And my mom is February ten. But we're not all 75. That'd be weird if my mom was born right after I was. (laughs) Maybe it'll be possible in the future. And if my daughter was born like a month after I was born, that'd be really weird. Too. You're blowing my mind right now. Know, totally. <laughs> but anyway, born and raised in Hawaii. Yep. What brought you
1: to Oregon? You know, island fever is part of it. Just wanting to see the world. I was reading a lot of like, Beat Generation writers talking about exploring the United States. We called it the mainland. So I was just on a mission to get to the mainland. I was 20 when I was looking for a place to move up to and, uh, knew six people from Hawaii that had moved up here. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like a launching off point. I thought this was going to be part one of a Karawakian, like train hopping adventure across the United States. States. Yeah. But
0: problem is, is you landed in the best part of the States.
1: Yeah. That's what I felt like. I met like a bunch of people in the music scene up here, started working at Tower Records Mm -hmm. and, uh. It felt like I was doing all the living, staying in one spot, and just everything that Oregon is, as you're aware of, just, it has a bit of everything, and with the music, sitting, hit, music scene hitting so hard at the time, it mm-hmm. was just a perfect spot for me.
0: So what year was that? That was 95. 95. Okay. So you came here a little bit before I did for the first time. So 95, that, yeah, that would have been solid. I mean, that would have been like right after Grunge crashed
1: yep hmm there was a lot of um kind of how would you describe it? I don't know, I just used a general term of indie rock when I came up here yeah, totally. it was almost emo, but not really mm-hmm. it was there was like a definitely a harder rock element to it, but mm-hmm.
0: uh had to be some pretty <laughs> solid punk going on still too definitely I mean, yeah, I think that yeah. was you know after like the poison idea heyday and all that, but still. Maybe Dead Moon was still around then. I'm not. I'm not sure. But I mean, Portland's always been great for punk. Um, I know metal at that point was kind of fizzling out a bit, um, but I mean, Portland's always had a strong music scene no matter what. So yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I wasn't exposed to metal when I first came up here. It's funny. Growing up in Hawaii, I was considered the metal kid in my really high school <laughs> because funny. I listened to Face No More and yeah Metallica. But, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm hesitant to project that image up here because it's like, no, shit, I'm not metal at all. Yeah, well,
0: (laughs) Hawaii is not necessarily known for any metal that I know of. I mean, I can't think of one notable metal band from Hawaii. I mean, there's got to be. I just, I'm not aware of it. It's funny, though. Like, I can can name some stupid-ass metal band from almost every state except for Hawaii and Alaska. I can't name one.
1: Alaska is more
0: surprising to me for whatever reason. It's more surprising to me, too, because I always feel like there should have been a glut of just incredible black metal bands coming from Alaska because of the scenery and the isolation. It's, you know, it's equivalent to Scandinavia. Yeah. But uh, there's been a few bands, but nothing nothing notable. I I always found interesting. But uh, the one time I went to Hawaii, I was in 93. I was 17 or 18, something like that. And I remember just tons and tons and tons of weed yeah. everywhere I went. Yeah. And I didn't, I, didn't run, I didn't see anybody wearing metal shirts or anything like that, no. but tons and tons of weed. Definitely. I had people in the grocery store trying to sell me weed. Oh, you no. Know? You didn't get that in Montana at all. Well, it
1: changed when I became a teenager. They really cracked down on the weed, so it was super expensive. It was still everywhere, but it just got very hard to patrol. Police Mm -hmm. department has a bunch of money. They can helicopter and kind of with their cameras see where everything has grown. So Mm -hmm. everything started getting flown in from California, and the prices went up. And so when... um, that combination of factors of a bunch of people just used to like having a mellow high and being cut off from that. um, When meth hit the islands, it was already this like um, whole system on the mainland. And then when it came to Hawaii, it's like, Oh, here's this cheap high that everybody can get. And it just hit the islands really hard and crystal meth and all that Mm, kind of stuff. So it's just like more rage against the insane system of Mm -hmm. criminalizing these kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, cheap pies or whatever—I don't know.
0: Wow, it's a poor man's vacation. <laughs> totally. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, you so see, you've been here for quite some time. Yes, um, I s-
1: moved back to Hawaii in two thousand two, and then oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I stayed for three years, gave it another swing back home,
0: and I moved back up here in two thousand five again. Okay, I think I met you for the first time. Man, it must have been after you moved back then. I don't think I knew you before you left again. Did I? 2001? Actually, I must have met you because you yeah, were working right, with Sean sure. and all That's
1: that. That's why I froze up there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely we've met before, but I don't think we really hung out extensively no. until I moved back.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, just the other day I was trying to figure out, like, when was the first time I met you? I must have met you when you were working at Tower, but yeah. I, I don't recall. Yeah. I'm sure you came by
1: me when I was at the front running register. Don was the classical room guy. Like if that. you
0: worked with Don, I had to have met you because yeah. I, was, I was hanging out with him all day, every day sometimes. Okay, that would make sense. I just don't... I don't recall. It was such a weird time for me because I was basically homeless and I was just floating between friends and had no job and no money and nothing to do. And I had no idea what I was doing. And so my head wasn't in the right space, really.
1: That's I think that's where we all were. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's very true.
0: That's funny. All right. Well, um, the guest usually starts with a song. Okay. I think in this case, since this is my house, I think you're the guest nice let's do this all right Right i have pre-picked the first song for you to play right here (laughs) you're welcome okay what are we spot i'm not familiar with spotify here i'm gonna go i've got youtube up there whatever you need voice sounds very familiar I'd be surprised if you've heard these guys before but I'd be excited if you didn't it's like I think I thought it was Neil Diamond at first oh yeah the voice kind of sound like Neil Diamond to me
1: there's a lot of similarities to what was going on in the Hawaii music scene in like the 70s kind of not so much Neil Diamond I guess but like the yacht rock crew of like okay. there was a replica of that in Hawaii. Almost. why do you think that is i don't know i think the slack key guitar sound mm-hmm. really lends to it well yeah like that makes sense this kind of slacky guitar was one of my earliest exposures to music it's just like these old school guys playing their guitars on like porches and dropping in on each other right yeah stuff. that
0: totally makes sense
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't know what this is, but for some reason I just thought Neil Diamond as soon as his voice came out. Nice, in. <laughs> nice, yeah. It's probably like
1: mid-70s, mid to late 70s okay. this came out. It's
0: a band called Olamana. How do you spell that? O-L-O-M-A-N-A. Okay, that's definitely some Hawaiian shit there. Yeah, it's like a mountain
1: range in on Oahu where I grew up. Okay. yeah. yeah. But there's something about the song that it's that happy, like, slacky song. But I think it's true in everything I read and watch. There's, like, this hidden sadness in it. There's something about the song that just makes me
0: so sad when I I listen to it. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is somber, melancholic. Yeah. Yeah. So is this something you grew up listening to? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, This was on the radio. Songs like this were on the radio. Really? It's, It's so funny to like talk to somebody like you because I mean it's so different than the mainland you know like they definitely didn't play this on the radio in Montana I'm sure they didn't play it on the radio in Oregon you know coming from
1: Hawaii to the mainland it was also a big shock because yes. I wasn't so surprised for but bands like Olamano, but there's another group called Cecilio and Copono, and wow. I really thought they were a national act when I was right. growing up in Hawaii, because they were so right. like predominant everywhere, like on the airwaves, and um, their hits were just so... They were so obviously hits that I, I was just sure yeah. that everybody was listening to them.
0: It's all perspective, man. Yeah. I remember... I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds so ridiculous, but the first time I left Montana, I never really fully understood that other places didn't have mountains like I mean I knew it on like a logical level Uh but I just didn't really know and so when I moved to Minnesota I was just like I just could not fathom the fact that you couldn't see mountains anywhere and you could drive for days and not see mountains yeah Uh, was that exciting or was
1: there something kind of spatially off-putting about it it was very disturbing for me yeah yeah
0: and in some ways, it it still is. Like, I don't feel comfortable if I don't have some landscape around me. Like, wide-open plains and, like, flat landscapes, it just, they make me very uncomfortable. I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm going to, like, fall on the ground and cry, but I just, like, it's almost like this existential dread that I feel. I just don't feel right. But when I first left Montana, I was just, I, I just never really understood that. So I can kind of know what you mean about even in the States, like, different places tend to be, like, almost different worlds. And I can I can imagine that Hawaii is just a totally different world.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I went to Montana, and I think the kind of mountain beauty up there, this song makes me think of that kind of, like, connection yeah. of just, like, hiking alone up in the mountains. Totally.
0: I can totally see that, yeah.
1: In fact, I think that's what one of the lyrics is talking about. But, right. uh, yeah, when I went there, I was amazed at how high you already are. So mm-hmm. you go on this, like two mile hike and yeah. then suddenly you're like Heidi on top of a mountain all alone nobody yeah. for miles yeah
0: I'd like to go back yeah it's amazing I obviously I love Montana oh. it's a amazing place to be amazing place to grow up nice but uh, we have our own type of island fever there too I think because we're so isolated yeah you know people always ask me like why did you move to Minneapolis when you graduated high school it's like it's the closest city you know, and that's true. It's Minneapolis, Salt Lake, or Portland, you know. But yeah, I just, kind of like you, I was just, I needed to get out, try something different.
1: Do you think there's like a Montana-specific culture that you miss at all?
0: There's definitely a Montana-specific culture, and I, I do miss it to a degree. Um, I'm, I mean, I can't speak for other places but i'm sure that every place has at least some version of their own culture even within the states um but yeah there's definitely some montana culture uh whether i miss it or not i'm not sure some of it i do some of it i don't um it's it's extremely isolating and i can see how things like racism there can get just out of hand because you're just not exposed to other cultures or other things. Um, and I just, I find that very dangerous. And I'm happy not to be in that anymore. Um, so you chose the diverse Portland, Oregon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that was just,
0: that was just an accident. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I just ended up here almost randomly. And, uh, but yeah, it definitely, is way more in line with where i want to be now yeah but but i'm very very proud to be from montana and i i do love it there a lot oh
1: man i would be too it's so gorgeous there and the people were all so nice but yeah. i could i could give i could see little hints of what you're talking about of just not being exposed a lot
0: to. yeah well i mean you know it's it's weird i have people that come from other places whether it be montana or wherever here and like oh like i've never heard of hummus you know, it's 2018, never heard of hummus.
3: Yeah.
0: like Stuff like that. I mean, they're, they're minor issues, but I think it's very, uh, it's very indicative of, of larger issues. And I just don't, I don't want to be a part of that. You know, I, I want to be exposed to things and yeah. I want to embrace other cultures and other peoples. And mm-hmm. it's very important to me. So yeah, I I'm happy I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Do you feel similar about Hawaii?
1: I do, but I think that there's something in the culture there where I'm mm-hmm. not actively thinking about missing it, but when I talk to somebody who's from Hawaii and there's just like a something in their voice, it there's this pang of, of longing yeah. for it that, mm-hmm. that's just almost overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that too. I think the biggest thing for me about growing up in Montana, and it wasn't necessarily unique to my family, but I... I don't think it was universal necessarily in Montana, but just a a very deep reverence for nature. Um, I mean, it it was just ingrained in you. And whether it was like overtly something that you expressed on a daily basis, it was just, you know, people were navigated by the mountains and they were Mm -hmm. navigated by the sun and people lived off the land and people hunted and they gardened and they fished. And it was just, it was it was just so ingrained that people didn't even really think about it so much. It's just like, that's what we do. That's who we are. And that's something I respect very deeply. And I'm very appreciative that I grew up like that.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and that's why a place like Portland speaks to me too much so much. Cause it's, it's a city, but it, it, respects nature a lot. And there's a lot of nature around an yeah. abundance of nature around. Yeah. So it, it's a great city for me in that way. But, uh, yeah, I definitely miss that just deep reverence for for nature. Yeah,
1: I think, yeah, I definitely saw that aspect of Hawaii, like in Montana, in a way. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the two places are real different in that Hawaii is such where I grew up, at least on Oahu, not the outer islands. But yeah. it's such a concentration of people, too, that there's that also, also this reverence for human nature beyond like all these trappings of um society and like the proper way to say things or these are the steps you have to take but just like a real appreciation for another like human being that i feel like i don't know it's expressed in different ways on the mainland i guess and and that's what but when i interact with people from back home that's kind of the thing that like Mm -hmm. inspires this like ah I forget that I really am kind of like from a different culture, like you think of of that sometimes. Yeah.
0: And I feel the same way. Um, But I don't think it's quite to the extent, you know, I think Montana was separated by mountains and highways, but you were separated by hours of plane travel, you know. (laughs) It's...
1: I don't know, out of This I met this guy while I was staying with my friend, who also grew up in Hawaii. She moved to this cabin, like, in the mountains. Her address was not how many houses away from someplace she was. It was how many miles away from the train track she lived. Okay. Uh-huh. And she's a vegetarian. And I was, you know, on this leave of absence. So I was staying with her for, like, a week. And um, she's a vegetarian. And she had some guests over, and we had beers. And, uh... I met this Montanan, this like Montanan Montana who used to Mm -hmm. carry a gun to school with him. And he found out that I wasn't a vegetarian. And he showed up the next day with like five big steaks for me in a barbecue for the next week. Because he was
0: feeling for me like, oh, he's stuck up here with a vegetarian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that. Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. But yeah, it must have been great growing up there.
1: He said when he was a kid, he would ride his horse to school with his gun over his shoulder and mm-hmm. hang it up at the entryway of his school and walk in the school.
0: Yeah, I wasn't quite that extreme. I mean, I was in one of the larger communities in Montana. Um, oh. But it I don't think anybody at my school rode a horse to school. Um, but it was completely normal for people to have guns in their cars. Oh. Uh, in the, in the school parking lot, you know, it was filled with trucks with dead animals in them and yeah. gun racks and guns. And we had a rodeo team at our school. That was one of the big things. Um, uh, what do you think? So
1: that culture of like hunting and guns and rodeos, mm-hmm. like must've been pretty dominant. Like what me, what sucked you into music? Like what, what drove that path for you? Do you think?
0: I think, you know, it's it's a it's a hard question to answer. Uh, that's something I've thought about quite a bit in the last few years. I'm not sure why, but I have just this intrinsic need for things that are different. I'm not really sure why that is. I don't know if I'm trying to challenge myself or what I'm trying to do, but I just have this passion for things that are different. And almost to a fault. So growing up in Montana, I loved Montana. I loved growing up there. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But the whole time, I just knew that there was something else out there. And I have this knee-jerk reaction, too, of where if I see everybody else doing something, I want to do something different. And so, I mean, it's true of everywhere in America, but Montana, it was all rodeo and sports. So I never did either one of them. I grew up within a couple hours of three of the best skiing areas in the world. I've never been skiing once. You know, it's just, it's that type of like knee-jerk reaction. And so growing up, I just I never did sports. Never got into that. I just wanted something different. And My dad and my cousin were both into really great music. They exposed me to things like Bloister Cult and Ozzy Osbourne and Led Zeppelin and, you know, all these different things. And growing up in Bozeman, Montana, in the late 70s, early 80s, that was different. I mean, that stuff was crazy, playing me things like Scorpions and shit, like van halen i mean it was so like that stuff wasn't on the radio in montana like i had no idea ozzy Osbourne, black sabbath shit like that it just blew my mind and it was yeah. something i held close to me that nobody else knew about nobody could even process that i had no idea it was out there and then it just like began this lifelong journey of just looking for new things all the time and wanting to try new things all the time and that's why i'm doing this Thanks. like Hey, I love podcasts. I can try that. Like, I I don't want to be afraid to do it. I just want to do it and just see if it fails, whatever. I tried it. And so that's how I've lived my whole life. And that's, I don't know. I, there are a lot of things about Montana I really related to, but a lot of the cultural norms and the things that people just take for granted, I just have this weird habit of just overanalyzing and then shying away from. And so I think that's what's kind of led me to be the person I am today. makes sense yeah yeah so i don't know but it's something i didn't really think about too much at the time you know at the time you're just like oh everybody's into this and this is stupid and i like this and whatever but now Mm -hmm. i like actually sit back and think about it sometimes like why do i have these reactions and you know know.
1: whenever i think about personalities sometimes i think about genes and inherited traits and uh, mm-hmm. survival mechanisms. And I started yeah. to think comical things like your ancestors were part of some large group and so- they somehow were separated from the group and the group was wiped out. And now it's in your genes to be away from the group. Like, like yeah. don't, don't go with the herd. That's our survival mechanism. I mean, and that's it, what's going to keep my
0: genes alive. That's how it feels to me. And I grew up with a fairly small family, so I've always been very, all about family but my family is so small my family is my friends too and so I feel like my tribe is obviously my family but it's I've got a large tribe of really close friends too but it's unusual for that tribe to go past those initial boundaries that I set up when I was probably six years old I'm very wary of certain things and people that are into certain things and I not wary, weary weary mm-hmm. i feel like the things that you're into and the people that you associate with are huge uh, indicators of your character and the type of person you are and so i find like these red flags and it's hard for me to like look past those if somebody has a red flag for me it's really hard to get over it i and can sometimes did but... you
1: always have that from a young age yeah hmm.
0: yeah so i had very few friends growing up mm-hmm. but the friends i had were deep Intense friendships. Nice. Um, you know, Lad is my oldest friend ever, and he's still one of my best friends today. Nice. So, I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird. It's it's nothing I consciously did. It's uh-huh. just. I don't know. I guess it's just who I am at this point, and definitely nothing I can do about it now, even if I wanted to, and I don't think I want to. I
1: think that you're probably uh, fairly lucky to have found those chosen few people that you could connect with almost.
0: Yeah, definitely. It allows you
1: to keep those red flag barriers almost because I think that I struggled to find those people past a certain point. Like I was very much like a loner till like my mid teen years. And then it was mm-hmm. just almost like, God, like I gotta, I gotta find some people to connect with. And I did find these relationships that still to these to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of friends I met through my sister but not so much um, people that were necessarily in tune with my mindset at the time. There was one friend I had in elementary school and he moved away and he's still my friend to this day, but it was just the most intense um, psychological connection I've ever had with anybody in my life. It's like we could see into each other's imaginations.
0: Sometimes that can be too much. Uh, I, I had a friend in Minneapolis for a while where I felt like maybe we were too similar we met just at a random chance in a record store and we were like BFFs immediately. But it was like this burning passion friendship. Like we were just, I mean, I can't speak for him, but we were crazy about each other for about a year. And then our friendship just crashed and burned. And now he he just hates me. And I just feel like we were too similar. Uh I mean, we almost could finish each other's sandwiches no but we could almost i mean we were so in sync and Uh there's so many things about us that were so similar it was kind of spooky but then i just i i mean we had a horrible falling out and i think we're just too much like each other interesting yeah
1: i don't think enough thought is put into um male relationships basically agreed yeah and how much that offense affects our psychology mm-hmm. and how we each have a different way of relating i definitely know a lot of men that don't ever get to that deeper level and they have they they almost collect um as large of a crowd as they can Mm -hmm. and that's their kind of sign of of support i think that's pretty normal and there's another side of that where it's just almost like a monogamous male friendship mindset that i think right i'm more of that mind and i just have these intense connections
0: with Mm -hmm. with somebody else i i definitely used to be more like that especially like teenage years even past that you know i have like i have one best friend Uh you know it's just like this myopic vision i have one best friend i have other friends but this is my one best friend and now i'm really uncomfortable saying like one person's my best friend yeah like i just can't do that Mm -hmm. and i have no need to do that either but yeah i agree with you i think a lot of a lot of men especially are you know i've got my my two buddies or my three buddies Uh and i mean that's great if that's what works but it's nice to be able to move beyond that too definitely yeah and i've gotten to a point too where i can kind of have like a hierarchy Uh you know i've got like friends that are here friends that are like down a little bit friends that are down a little bit and then like acquaintances like i'm not sure i'm gonna like ever hang out with you necessarily but if i run into you cool like we'll have a beer or whatever but you know i'm not gonna call you up and be like hey yeah you know so i for me
1: it gets more difficult as i get older because I have more red flags now. I didn't have mm. those as much when I was younger. I was just like, oh, yeah, do you want to hang out? Let's hang out. Let's hang out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but now there's definitely things that bar me from like, okay, I don't think I'll be going further down that road at all. Yeah. That hand in hand with a greater fascination with um humankind as a concept, like mm-hmm. especially working in customer service for mm-hmm. so long and examining like people's motivations and whatnot. Yeah. I'm more and more fascinated with... Um, even the simplest kind of archetype of people out there. But mm-hmm. as far as pursuing a relationship, I feel like it's, it's getting fewer and further between yeah. as far as, as things like that.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't really seek out new friendships. But if they present themselves and they make sense, I will definitely pursue them. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily happen. Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, retail we should probably play a a song but um i think that your work in portland is worth noting because it is very very portland i work at powell's bookstore yes Legendary Powell's Books.
1: Which should be a great place to meet like-minded individuals, but I have done a horrible mistake and I've moved into human resources. Yeah.
0: (laughs) HR. Yeah. But you did work on the floor.
1: I did work on the floor. For a long time, right? And it's not all bad, the things I'm doing now, but yeah, I worked on the floor for, um,
0: gosh, nine years or so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for people who aren't really familiar with Portland, Powell's is... The largest and best bookstore in North America. Best bookstore in the world. I in mean, the world, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... People who haven't been there, They even if they know the story, they don't... It's just like what I was saying about leaving Montana not really understanding that there's no mountains other places. Yeah. People go there, like grown adults. Like people who are ravenous readers go there and they don't really understand the gravity of the situation until they actually enter the store. You get a map when you enter the store. It's they call it city of books. I mean, it's how many floors is the main location? Four floors, Mm a city block. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any idea like how many books are housed in there? Over a million titles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's seriously intense. And the best thing about Powell's for me is that an amazing selection of used books, you know, I, yeah, Every time I go into that location, or even the, even the Hawthorne location, like, I can almost always find what I'm looking for used, if it's, you know, over a couple years old or whatever. Definitely. And even the, the new books are affordable. It's not like I feel like I'm getting gouged or anything when yeah. I go there. Yeah. So. It's an amazing amazing place so if anybody goes to powell's make sure to ask for tyson make sure to ask <laughs> for me i won't be there but go ahead and ask Yeah, guys for just ask for it and be like oh that guy i used to work with that asshole."
1: it is gratifying to work there because when i moved here i think everybody has that experience when first walking into powell's of like walking in the store and having this need for people in there to recognize that you're one of them you know like i grew up totally um, yeah like jellies and rainbow books and just hiding in the corner and like reading my sci-fi books or at jellies like picking up comics and whatnot when i walked into that place it's like this is the mecca this is it is it's mecca this is the epitome of all of that like this is Mm -hmm. if it doesn't get better than this and i just so wanted to be like accepted and recognized yeah like yes you're one of us
0: well and everybody that i know that has moved to to portland from somewhere else has it has wanted to work at Powell's like oh. that's like the Portland dream job and I know people that have like tried to take salary cuts just to get their foot in the door and oh. you know it's very competitive very hard I applied at Powell's a handful of times I applied at, at Tower a couple times too and
1: oh, my other so 10, yeah. year, 10 or 11 years at Tower Records and now coming up on 14 years at Powell's Books those are my two main jobs Right? that's there. crazy
0: oh that's insane I've been lucky yeah oh. that's awesome okay well, I'm going to play a song because your song, um, remind me of the name? Olamana. Um, Olamana. Yeah. Okay. That's the name of the band.
1: Kuu oo home
0: uh, something. I, I forget the exact title okay. of the book. Yeah. That kind of reminded me of this. This actually was not on anything I was going to play, but it reminded me of this. So here we go. Nice.
2: Hablas francés? Yo sé. Okay? ¿Y hablas inglés? No, tampoco. ¿Qué hablas? Español.
0: the first song oh man that was so that is well do you have any guesses on who that is no no guesses so obviously your song didn't remind me of this but it did in a strange way um this is the band called pantalone i it already pantalones abajo marinero which translates to pants down sailor <laughs>
1: I was going to say, I (laughs) heard uh, like a little bit of humor, which I don't find common in in a lot of metal. But like that heavy thriving and then a... (laughs)
0: It's like, oh man, that's some fun shit. Well, And if you you notice in the beginning, the sample is something like, do you speak French? No. Do you speak Italian? No. What do you speak? I speak Spanish. And then, because it's these guys are uh, spanish speakers from minnesota actually oh, okay nice. and uh they're old friends of mine and we we're talking about traveling and moving and growing up and cultures and all this and it reminded me of this wow, um, nice. yeah these guys were they did quite a bit of stuff back in the day but they haven't done anything in quite some time that i'm aware of uh but i always love this band what and are they called again pantalones abajo marinero huh. This is from a split seven inch with Exhumed. (laughs) No, I dig it. Unrelenting. I had a pantalones shirt at one point in time. I think I still have it. It's like bright yellow. It's like all hand-drawn. It's all like very, very DIY. To me it brings back the
1: feeling almost of like the first time I heard Pantera when I was like younger. That kind of unrelenting like, oh man, this shit's Mm -hmm. out of control, it's not going to stop. But uh, this this is making me feel that again in a more modern way. What year is this?
0: Oh, good question. Let me see. Uh,
3: 98.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so good. So, uh, what are you drinking there, Tyson? I am drinking
1: a Founder's Dirty Bastard Porter. Some kind of porter, it's hard to read.
0: Yeah, it's a little dark in here, I apologize. Um, it sets the mood for our intimate session, though. Nice. Yeah, Dirty Bastard Porter. Cool. Before that, I had a Heretic Chocolate Hazelnut Porter. That was good,
1: I liked it. I like this one better, but that was good. Hazelnut,
0: I was taking a chance there. Yeah, that can be kind of hit and miss, I think. But yeah, this one's good. I feel like it could be very boozy, though. I
1: just heard a very movie-style sip of my beer, I went... "Ah."
0: Yeah, yeah. Jesus. These mics, these are pretty standard mics, but they pick up a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Sometimes people like burp or have like a little gurgle in their throat and it just like, it picks up everything. So. That guitar sound makes me
1: so happy. I don't know what you call it. It's almost
0: like a wah sound It's a pinch harmonic. Okay. It's like a
1: I love that shit Just really throw
0: it good. in Whenever you want That's <laughs> great There's some bands That just get really off on it It's like yeah. every riff It's like No, 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 it's like no, no, no yeah, we you
1: can't, can't overdo it
0: Don's yeah. really good at them I'm sure that doesn't surprise you nice. Alright, so yeah This is Pantalones Abajo Marinero Nice This is the I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation nice. Lujuria de Chivo 7-inch A split with Exhumed The nice. legendary Exhumed
1: How'd you find these guys?
0: Um... They were friends with some of my friends in Minneapolis. When I lived in Minneapolis, I was introduced to these guys. And... I can't say I was ever, like, really close with them, but we hung out a few times, and here and there we... We talked about making music together, and we never did. That's here. I'm actually let me replay that last little bit because that was a little nod to. Not that, hold on. This is a nod right here. I never caught this until right now, so I want to play it again. Let's listen to the sound. Yeah, that might've been an unintentional nod, but I bet oh, you it was intentional. That was a total nod to carcass right there. That's, that was a carcass riff at the end. And I know for a fact, these guys are anybody that plays music like this. It's all about carcass. So I'm sure that was intentional, but anyway, I knew these guys in Minneapolis, actually, we did make some music together here and there played a couple of shows together. Um, they're just really great guys. And, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun. They had they made really good music, but they weren't too serious about it. They always had like a little bit of hint of humor in there,
3: uh-huh.
0: which was always kind of fun. But it was also kind of, kind of to their detriment at times too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've found from experience that no matter how awesome your music is, if you have like a little bit of like humor in there, people take it a little less seriously. Uh-huh. So they never really got the recognition that they may have gotten if they didn't have if they had better names and better song titles you know yeah so there's only one weird al there's only one weird al
1: i don't know i like a little bit of humor inserted into my music i like i like the breaking of the facade like Mm -hmm. um when somebody doesn't break the facade it feels
0: more ridiculous to me than if it is broken once in a while i can see that depending on depending on what you're talking about i guess like like, I don't want Slayer to break the facade. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's not going to work for me. I guess it depends on who it is. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. Um, it is your turn. All right. For, for shit. a song.
1: Your song makes me think of nothing that <laughs> I can follow that with. So I'll just not make this related in any way. So our stories more made me think of the song than your music. This is a CD I got right before moving back to Hawaii in 2003 or so, 2002. Very poppy, very fun. I, th- I think this would be great in
0: a movie or something. I like the bass. You don't tell me this is like blink 182 or something
1: no I can see how you would make that comparison
0: because I, I like this
1: oh nice good no it's a uh, Portland band I, I got their is CD out it... a show I was at a show and I grabbed their CD and then this song stood out to me when I
0: it's not the cry
1: not the cry okay they weren't around then so this is older yeah 2002, I think, is when this came out. straight lines thing. Yeah, that's really cool. I used to watch a moon conspiracy theory person who thought there were structures on the moon and he was always talking about parallel lines on the moon and how they don't appear anywhere in nature. Oh. And, uh, I don't know, like social commentary too. Yeah. We're always trying to make these straight lines and make everybody fit into these, like, boxes. boxes. I said
0: boxes right when he
1: did. That's That's weird.
0: cool i dig this nice awesome yeah sweet it's kind of got a like a cool post punky vibe that i like it's a good describer
1: for it i worry sometimes about describing music i don't have the good words for it but
0: yeah. yeah what's that old saying um writing about music is like fucking about architecture yeah something like that
1: yeah that's so true though I think I love music because it speaks in a language that's almost the antithesis to language. It's everything yeah. we do, everything we see, every time we describe something, it's diluting what it is. But if you both listen to music, you can have a feeling, and as soon as you start to describe it, I may describe it as sad, you may describe it as happy, but the original right. feeling that the music gave us was like this pure communication. So it's yeah. almost this language that's truer than any other language that's right. out there.
0: yeah. I mean, that's, that's why it it speaks to me too. And I like it, you know, it, it's kind of like sitting on a couch too. Music is like, it's, it's the great leveler. It's like every, everything's on a level playing field and it affects people in different ways, but I mean, music affects basically everybody. Definitely. I mean, I would hope. Yeah, there's a
1: Oliver Sacks book I think about how um, it's one of the first um, things that human brains can recognize is rhythm. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh. Yeah, it's just deep inside of us.
0: Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. I dug that. Who was that? Uh, digital Knife and local. Digital Knife. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> okay. O- only reason I say that is because uh, my old my old band Self Spiller that was. A lyric for self spiller oh In one of our songs we talked about a digital knife oh okay nice a total coincidence yeah these guys
1: are just called digital knife nice I mean, that's
0: nice. that's bizarre um so what year was this like 2002 2002 i think yeah i think that spiller record was well way after that but like 2011 12 something like that nice bizarre Huh. I mean, it's not, like, the most unique thing in the world, but yeah, still, yeah. like... No, it is bizarre. And I, I didn't even write the lyric. I think that was um, my friend Marius that wrote that lyric, the digital knife part. Very strange. Oh. Interesting. Um, that's cool. So, um, I'm going to do something a little different now. All right. So, today, I was downtown Portland, and there's a lot of street musicians in Portland and you know, you have like your like folk singers and you have like people like playing like buckets, you know, drawing on buckets and all that. Um, there's this one guy, uh, downtown kind of by my work that he's like, he's just a, he's a fucking shredder. He's just shreds on the guitar like constantly for hours every day. So you get kind of used to these like same, same type of things. Well today I'm at pioneer square and I'm waiting for the max to go down to get on the green line to Clackamas and there's this guy there and he's got this really nice five string bass and he's got like this little amp with like a little battery powered generator or something and he's got his iPod plugged into the amp and he's playing and he's he's I mean he's not like amazing but he's pretty good but what caught my ear was what he was playing and what he was playing too. So I'm going to try something new. I'm going to play a recording I got of this. And I don't expect you to recognize it because it's not really your thing. But I recognized it immediately and it shocked me to my core. So I'm going to play this. And then if anybody listening recognizes it, I want you to let me know through Facebook. Just send me a message on the I Hate Music podcast and see if you guys can like figure out what this is. I recognized it immediately, but it was so out of left field for me that I actually had to like step back and like make sure.
1: So this is going to be a recording of the guy playing bass?
0: Yes. I, okay. I recorded it off of my iPhone because I could not believe it. Nice. So let's check this out. And if anybody can recognize it, just send me a message on Facebook.
1: Oh, man. I wish this were live so that we could see it come in live.
0: I know. That'd be weird. I don't. I don't even know if that's... Nah, I've got too much editing. I couldn't do that. I mean, I could, maybe. I I don't know. Interesting idea, though. All right, so here we go. I'm going to play it. And again, let me know if anybody recognizes it. I'm pretty sure that that people will recognize it. That's when the that's when the train came and oh, picked man. me up. So I don't think I would get it. It makes me think of bad brains, but I don't think it is bad brains. No, I I really don't think it's something that you would recognize. It's not really your style, but uh, it was so unbelievable to me that actually this is the last part of his playing, and I recorded it. But I listened to him for like five minutes before this because I was in such disbelief. I went up close to him to make sure that my ears weren't deceiving me deceiving me and he was playing multiple songs off of this record but for people who didn't catch it i want to play the very last part again because this is the one of the most iconic little bass runs in death metal that he plays at the end and he plays it very well here we go yeah right there it's kind of hard to hear because of all the background noise. But yeah. Anyway, if you figure background it out, let noise me know.
1: Almost seems uh there on purpose, like
0: this. The what does
1: the background noise? I know it kind of like does. this tortured bassist <laughs> in the like entrance to hell or something, like trying to play his way out with yeah. the magnetism of the flames, like <laughs> sucking him in.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it just it totally blew my mind. I got on the max and actually i texted you as part of the record group i texted you and the rest of the record group and i said i just heard this dude playing so and so downtown i texted a bunch of friends i told a bunch of people already because it's so bizarre i remember
1: that text and i still don't know yeah i think you said in the text and i was at work and glanced at it i did
0: but yeah anyway so again if you recognize it let me know um and if, you, if nobody knows, then next time, maybe I'll reveal it, if I remember. But I'm sure that somebody will recognize it. All right. So I'm going to play a song. Um, all right. So I feel like this is kind of a weird episode. So I'm going to play something that is actually one of my favorite records from a couple years ago. That I don't think anybody would expect me to like, and I'm pretty sure that most people would make fun of me for liking. Oh, I like it. But I'm also pretty sure that it's also one of those or, those artists that people are like, "Oh, I've only heard that one song, but really, you like that person?" But maybe if they heard songs like this, they might think differently. Nice. So let's breaking see. barriers,
1: breaking barriers.
0: Trying this this artist was a tough sell for me because i wrote her off too because i mean she's like a top 40 i'm giving some hints here Mm -hmm. but she's like a top 40 artist um her first single i thought was okay but nothing too special but then i really started listening to the record and now it's it's kind of one of those records i just put on like when the family and i are hanging out so and this this one i'm going to play is one of the most interesting songs on the record i think Except I don't see it. Top 40 is dangerously close to the herd there, Jason. All of your genes are screaming, hide, hide. I know. See, and I hate even saying that because I don't want to be the dude that's like, oh, it's popular, I hate it. You know? Mm -hmm. But sometimes that's the way it goes down. Your survival instincts are kicking in. Okay, let me make sure this is the right track. This has got to be. Here we
3: go.
1: hesitate to say it is this like taylor swift
0: no not quite that extreme okay i mean i want to say you're on the right track you're really not but Uh i mean well i'm showing
1: i'm showing that i'm out of the loop of what current top 40 songs are right now i mean the voice just sounded vaguely familiar but your headphones have great bass in them. I like, I like, love the yeah the background bass on. This yeah, song. those
0: those are really good ones. I want to say, oh fuck, you're way off bass with Taylor Swift, but I, I don't really know that for sure. It could be similar.
1: I mean, she writes good pop songs. I'll say it. She writes yeah. good pop songs.
0: Okay, since so that's a really short one, so. We're going to just move into the next one while we talk about it. This one's more mellow. Um, So pop is kind of a problematic thing for me at times. Mm -hmm. And this artist kind of appealed to me at first because I felt like she was doing some things that kind of spoke to me in the way that Bjork does. Yes. She's presenting herself in a really dignified but very odd way. She's not... even though she's writing pop music, she's incorporating a lot lot of electronics, she's doing a lot of it DIY, a lot of it's very down-to-earth, and she's just being herself. And over the years, I've just really come to appreciate her work. I think her voice is fantastic. and. I think even though she gets lumped in with like the top 40 stuff because she was played on the radio, like her hit song was fucking huge. I feel like she may really lie more in the like the Grimes area or like the Knife stuff like that instead of like a Taylor Swift. Uh uh-huh, Uh uh-huh. But that's just me as like not a pop guy. I just yeah, yeah. You know. Oh. I yeah. I don't know who it is. So this is Lord.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. What was her hit? It was like... Uh, Royals. Royals. Yeah, that kind of changed the direction of music, I think, that song. Yeah,
0: I think so, too. You know, it's a, it's a debut record, and Weird Al covered it. You know, I mean, that's... Yeah. That's praise from Caesar right there. Yes. Um, you know, she has an interesting story. She's, you know, just this kid from new zealand that with her friend she made some beats and put it on soundcloud and wrote some songs you know over these stupid little beats that he made and a lot of this record are a lot of those things that they recorded in her bedroom and just had them remastered and you know for this record and this is like a huge fucking record and a lot of it was done in their bedroom you know that's amazing yeah Yeah, so really,
1: what a a perfect like first hit for to fit with that story. I know, and that's like you wrote a script or something. Yeah,
0: it's so perfect, and I really think she's a great singer. I I think she's really responsible about stuff. Uh, She's obviously a huge pop star, but she feels really down to earth to me. Um, I just I just really like her a lot. That's part of the culture of New Zealand that Hawaii shares to bring it back to. Oh
1: really? How so? There's something called a uh, tall poppy syndrome in New Zealand that's very similar to Hawaii culture, I think, where um, there's, it's built into the culture if somebody starts to get too sold on themselves, if somebody starts to think they're a big deal, it's inherent in the community around them to cut them down. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah. it starts to become part of your personality to like not make a right. big deal of yourself and to concentrate on, like, I, I am still yeah one of the people like they call it tall poppy syndrome I think in New Zealand and Hawaii okay. like we just say things like um, don't make a it was like something we said in high school is like this funny thing but it was just like don't stand out too much like don't don't excel too much from your peers right like,
0: you're not that special you're not that special yeah well <laughs> I've heard an interview with her on on Marc Maron and she was very much like that oh. she was saying things like I got to meet Quincy Jones like me I got to meet quincy jones and mark is like well you know you're this huge pop star and she's like no i just wrote some songs and people Uh like them and that's awesome that's awesome so yeah i I really dig it her last record was a little bit more of a tough sell for me it was a bit more polished you could tell there's a lot of people with a lot of money on the line saying like you need to more of this you need more of this you need more of this and but it's it's still really great it's just not quite the same for me yeah so yeah, dirty little secret of mine. Nice. Yeah,
1: I'm glad that yeah I, uh, you were comfortable enough with me to reveal this
0: secret. <laughs> Only you. I hope nobody else knows about this. <laughs> I won't tell a soul. Don't tell anybody because uh, yeah. Yeah, and here's here's something very superficial. She played like the Grammys or something like that. And she had fingernail polish or something all over her hands and like up her arms, like this weird black drippy fingernail polish Uh for no apparent reason. And it gave everybody a heart attack and everybody was pissed off and confused about it for like days afterwards. Mm. And my initial reaction was, that reminds me of Bjork. And she's doing something different. And I love that. And that was the very first time I was like... I should pay more attention to this person nice yeah so she's got a little bit of that that quirk in there that I appreciate I
1: appreciate that quirk greatly
0: yeah so I'm gonna turn this off because I hate it no that's that's good stuff um, but yeah I think it's your turn all right just don't play any more lord because that'd be really weird well that i
1: will follow your theme though that is a theme that i can follow up on there we go lord makes, makes me think oh just kind of popular music <laughs> um i went to oh that might be revealing too much initially i we'll just bring up a song here. Okay, so you have a song for me? I do. I'm going to hit it. Hit it.
0: We've transformed this home to show the I love this one. Keurig. You should or buy a, a Keurig. Yeah. For a latte or cappuccino. Easy, Are easy. we sponsored by Keurig? Maybe if we uh, talk about how,
1: how, how delicious,
0: the <laughs> how wasteful their birth killing
1: coffee is. I love the bass on these headphones. Do you? Yeah.
0: Yeah, those are my new headphones. Nice. Is this Janelle Monáe? It is, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. I was going to say, we just went to see him not long ago at uh, Edgefield.
0: Oh, nice. show, yeah. Oh, yeah. Edgefield would be great. When was that? Oh,
1: man. It's towards the end of summer there. It was, and she... she She was dynamic it was she really has that like kind of performer like like something special vibe like she doesn't feel like a normal artist like it's just
0: this kind of electricity when you see her so i was in wisconsin with the in-laws over the summer and i mentioned janelle Monet and they knew her but more as an actress oh that's right And i didn't know she was an actress i just knew her as a musician
1: it's weird she, um, actually for this album, I think, released this, um, kind of Pink Floyd-esque like concept movie that's like okay. almost like an extended music video, but it's got a full science fiction story behind it. That's, that's mm-hmm. great. Like, uh, yeah, she's good stuff. But yeah, I, you I, should check out this. I think it's called a Modi video or something. I don't know. It's, it's this movie that came out when the album was released and it's got like a whole background story the dirty computer album and how like there's certain parts of their human personality that are considered like errors in the computer and society's always trying to edit them out or that's basically the image i was getting from it like Right. right that um society is always trying to tell you to like bury these aspects of your personality because they're a glitch in the system like they don't fit in with like the sounds like
0: some black mirror shit
1: yeah definitely it feels very black mirror-esque yeah Mm -hmm. and i thought this was a fitting song too because it's uh doesn't matter like um, the reasons for liking something. If you like something, you just right. like it. Doesn't just matter like it. if anybody yep. else likes it. Doesn't matter if everybody else likes yep. it. Like if something, if yep. something hits you, it hits you.
0: Well, it makes me think. Not to talk about Aesop again, but uh, one of my favorite Aesop quotes is that there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure.
1: Nice, nice. Aesop won me over big time when we were in Romania together. I think I've told this story to you before. Yeah. And he was talking to, like, some very music-knowledgeable people. I think it was the basis for All or something. Uh And they were in the middle of a story. They they were telling a good story. that's right, yeah. I had a good buzz on, and they're telling Uh a story, and they mention a band. And then they mention, like, the basis for the band or something. Mm -hmm. And Aesop just very politely interjects, like, you know, I think it was not that person. It was this person. The guy's like, you know, no, this is, like... My world, like, I know these. this is what's going on. Like, I know this so well. And, and Aesop, again, just had to politely, like, disagree. And finally, the guy realized, like, oh, shit, like, you're right. And I, mm-hmm. I was just thinking, how the fuck does Aesop know that? This is, like, some obscure, like, Eastern European band this guy is talking about. And and Aesop knew it better than the guy who was, like, living the life, basically. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, so some backstory on there for people listening. Um. So Tyson came to see uh, Agaloc when we, the first time we played in Romania. Oh, so amazing. We played Brajav, Romania, and it was just us. And there was no opener, right? It was just us. No opener. And it was this weird, like, uh, venue with seats. Was it called the Black Church or something? It was something like the Black Church. It was in this really beautiful, quaint community in Romania, we were treated like rock stars we were i mean it was just an amazing experience we flew out for just two shows in Romania that was it and so the first night was this show in Brajav and it was the first time they'd ever had like a rock concert or anything like that they had ushers like they expected was my people experience to sit walking down in
1: is, uh, like I, I knew you from portland and i knew that you were popular like overseas but then i go there and uh, the venue just like looks like something out of a gothic movie. Like it was called the oh, Black yeah. Church, and it looked like the Black, black Church. Yeah, but only classical artists or things like that have performed there. And I walk in, and there's people from all over Europe. You can tell just by looking. There's people from like France and Spain and mm-hmm. Ireland and Amsterdam. And I walk up to the top of the stairs, and it's you know fucking full metalheads. And at the top of the stairs, is this this uh, like. Uh, old school usher that looks like he's like picked out of like some twilight zone episode of the past like in the usher uniform and everything with the tassels and he's like showing people to their seats in this
0: venue and it was just the most surrealistic experience of my life it was super surreal and the people that worked there and, and owned it or whatever they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into and the fans didn't really know what they're getting themselves into either because they're getting like sat down. Sat down and okay. we were like, this is really weird. We've never played to like an audience that's seated like that. But, you know, within like three or four songs and people started to get up and like go to the stage and then people were like moving around. And at first the people that worked there were kind of like, oh. They were know, resistant like, to it. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what? <laughs> but then I think somebody, the promoter of somebody must have been like, just let them do it. It's cool, you know. But it was it was a weird, weird show but it... honestly one of the best experiences of my life not only the
1: show but the whole vibe and the after show was really special too the because after show. everybody went to yeah. something called music cafe the music was spelled with a k mm-hmm. and it was a fire death trap it was like this bar like that was underground you go down these stairs and it seemed like
0: yeah all stone walls anybody and...
1: who was into music mm-hmm. within like a hundred square well, miles was in this concentrated area. And so
0: I have I have pictures of that night. And it's amazing just from like a music standpoint. I remember sitting next to Don and I was telling Don like, okay, so look around the room. We've got obviously Agaloc. We've got obviously Alcest. We've also got... Their first show, right? Yeah. Yep, their very first show. Um, we've got Nagura Bungit, We've got Peste Noir. Um, I feel like there's a couple other band members in there too but it was like a who's who of like crazy amazing metal bands in this dungeon drinking beer together it was amazing the vibe was so amazing everybody was so great yeah. and then the next night we went to Bucharest to play mm-hmm. and Alcest and that was Alsest first show yep.
1: like they didn't play in uh, they didn't play in
0: Brajov no but it was Alsest's very very first show and they played um I think it was just the two of us, right? It was just Alcest and Agalok. I think so. Yeah, And that was a highlight for me. Um, It was really great to finally meet Alcest after knowing them for so many years and see them, especially in retrospect. You know, they're like, they're insanely huge now. And to see, to share that moment with them when they really like jumped off as a band. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's just really cool in retrospect to see that. But for Agalock too, that was one of our best shows ever. Oh, we, man. We did like two or three encores. It gives me
1: chills remembering it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, the audience w- was just crazy. So intense. So intense. And the, the people there were so into it. And I had people telling me, you know, oh, I I sold my TV just so I could buy mm. a, a ticket. Or, you know, like I didn't, I didn't eat very much for this week just so I could buy a ticket because it's such a poor country and... The yeah. people there were so appreciative. Oh, it was so amazing. And yeah, we, but
1: that, that, that venue seemed to be moneyed somehow. Like whoever somehow, had that yeah. venue was like the, the restrooms were decked out where the urinals were designed like giant vaginas. And if yeah. you were, they, they, somebody showed me you know, the women's restroom and there were giant cocks everywhere, it mm-hmm. was just this like over-the-top like design. the giant everything. chandeliers. Yeah.
0: That was called the Silver Church. Okay, nice. Only reason I remember is because I'm friends with them on Facebook. Or like them on Facebook, but uh, yeah, and met so many great people at that show. So many great people, and the fans were so into it. And you know, I think it was the first time where I was looking into the audience, and I just saw like the first five to six rows, literally just women crying, mascara (laughs) running down their faces, screaming every word. That was the very first time that happened that I've noticed that anyway. And it's a mind blower, you know, and here I am in Romania. Like I can't uh, even point, out, point to it on a map. And these people are like singing every single lyric. It was amazing. You,
1: you let me stand like off to the side of the stage next yeah. to the fog machine that Nick was getting out of control with. Right. But being able to look out on that crowd, even from the side view and not having mm-hmm. that attention focused at me, I was even just like, oh
0: yeah, my it was crazy. God,
1: this experience.
0: Yeah, I think we did two or three encores, which we did not expect to do. And then afterwards, um, somebody, I don't remember if it was a promoter or who, said, okay, we have this table set up for you guys. Come sit at this table and we'll lead people up for autographs. That's right. They got you McDonald's Yeah, they bought us Big Macs, (laughs) which is so hilarious. And I mean, none of us would eat a Big Mac on a dare. No. But that's what they thought we wanted. Americans, yeah. Yeah, so they brought us these Big Macs and then they, they sat. They they sat down a bottle of Jameson in front of each one of us. So yeah. each one of us had a bottle of Jameson, oh. and then they led every member of the audience up to the table with armed security guards. A- anybody that wanted an autograph, Rock, they yeah. came up one at a time with these armed security guards, and we we signed whatever they wanted. And it took forever. And then we, <laughs> and this is the best part. And I'm gonna let you tell a little bit of this because you tell it way better than I do, but. As soon as we finish with the autographs, we get up and we're, you know, we're all exhausted, but we're all just riding high. Like this is the literally one of the most amazing nights of my life. And at this point, it's one of those points where even though Agaloc was, you know, we did enjoy a lot of success. It's not like we're fucking Metallica. But this is one of those moments where I, I was like, I understand how people turn into Motley Crue. If you're doing this all the time and this is how you're treated and this is how people yeah. just in general treat you, this is how people turn into debauched, arrogant assholes. And then it got worse. And I turned around and the promoter or somebody else, whatever, was like, oh, here, like, we also have these women for you. Yeah. And that's when we saw the prostitutes. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I was aware of the prostitutes before you were aware of the prostitutes.
0: But I did not immediately track them as
1: prostitutes. I, I saw these well, two they women. Look that they look normal, like really. villains from a James Bond movie to me. Like right. one of them had this vinyl top on with these triangle shoulders. And she was carrying a whip. Yeah. And she had this red hair. And I still have a picture I want with to see these that two picture. women. Yeah. It's framed. Like Nick framed it for me. But we saw these two women and we were like um, trying to figure out. We're like, oh my God, I think these are ladies of the night, Romanian ladies of the night. And one of them was holding like a horse whip. And again, they had like black vinyl stuff on. And so it's like, I'm going to get my picture with them. And so he approaches them and he chickens out. And anytime a friend chickens out on something and emboldens you to do something. So I kind of walk up like this, like, you know just goofy guy like hey can i get my picture with you they're like yas (laughs) and and so uh i start like saying like oh yeah so like you from around here like just like american chit chat thing that they're like romanian like hooker minds were just like completely contemptuous of but it was it was a it, it was it was i was it was still fun and uh so I got a picture with them. They were on either side of me. And I'm just like trying to like make everybody comfortable. Like is like my normal want to do and being like goofy and conversational. So and... were we
0: were we signing at this point? You were not signing at this point, but Aesop
1: was in the area. Oh, because and... Aesop knew way before I did. Yes. Yeah. And Aesop, well, I think this is when he found out. And Aesop came up to say something. And then he saw the whip in the one of the woman's hands. And he was hit. Hey, hey, what's the whip for? And she says in like this thick, like Romanian accent shred of a movie, you would like to taste my whip. <laughs> 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 and then they left. And again, they were kind of like dismissive of me because I was obviously this like goofy guy. And uh, it, be- they- it became known to them that I knew you. And mm-hmm. they're like, you're a of friends with the band. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, you come to the club, you come to the club after our friend owns the club. And they were just like trying to like um, get me to like, get you to like go to this like club after right. the show. Mm-hmm. But um, again, I was just so thrilled, but with, with the surrealistic surrealness of the moment and just like the, it seemed like they were caricatures that only existed in fiction. And here they
0: were yeah, here they interacting are. with yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. But then Aesop, He told the girl with the whip, I think. He was like, oh, like, no, 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 I'm not into that. But he is, and he pointed to me. (laughs) And so the first I knew about this situation, because I was signing an autograph or I was talking to somebody or something, I turn around and this woman walks up to me wearing hardly anything. Uh And everything she was wearing is like metal and leather with this whip. And she said, I heard you want to go to my hotel or some. She says something like that. Uh Uh-huh. Prostitute was the furthest thing from my mind. I, I, when you're on tour, especially in a foreign land, you're just, you're waiting for people to tell you where to go and what to do. So I literally thought she was just a handler of some sort. Like when you're a touring musician, you're just handled. Mm -hmm. So I thought she was saying like it's time to go back to your hotel because we were flying out the next morning, uh-huh. and I was like oh, okay, and she's like okay, and like she grabbed me by the arm or something like that, and then Aesop started laughing, <laughs> and then that's when it hit me like oh shit
1: what am I getting myself into? I'm you? like
0: oh wait no, and I I turned to her and I said I'm sorry I misunderstood I'm married I showed her my ring she didn't seem to care mm-hmm. and shocking yeah You're right shocking the world out yeah, there totally Chase. she didn't married. care you were married and i'm like no i'm sorry like i'm not interested and she was like showed me the whip i'm like no i'm not interested and she's like okay you know and she walked away the other ones didn't approach me at all it was just it was just that one but it was such a weird moment and Whenever I hear these stories about these like egotistical rock stars and stuff, I'm like, I. Not to give him a pass, but I can kind of see yeah, where that happens. See how it happens. Yeah, uh, Tyson's gonna pee. I'm gonna, I'm gonna piss like a. Whistle. Yeah, I am Sorry, too. We're like, gonna, we're okay. gonna do some Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah. It's gonna be that I hate music Bukaki.
1: I'm, I'm, I hate that it happened in the middle of the story, though, because this is honestly one of my favorite memories of all time. That whole Bratsov to yeah. Bucharest, like, and I, I and the way that... everybody was welcoming. And you're right, like people bringing homemade dishes from like their grandmothers, and just how awesome everybody was. How right. like genuine everybody was. And how genuine you were with me, I think that's really when I like, uh kind of like, fell in love with you as a friend. Like how welcoming you were to to me, and and how it there it wasn't like this like, um, kind of like checking of like, do do you belong in this like area or whatever? It was just this like, on my end, like making sure you're true enough to like hang yeah. with Agaloc? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like we've. Like, uh, we do come, like you said, from musical tastes and from backgrounds from Mm -hmm. very different areas, but I feel like there's this thing that happened, and maybe I'm a little buzzed from our beers already, but I feel like there's this thing that happens when we're listening to records in our Mm -hmm. record group or when we're at those live shows and you're playing music where... When you're just really into whatever that unspeakable thing is when you're, like, into the music and you're in that moment. Yeah, for sure. That transcends everything. And then everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, like, the language you speak, even if it's, like, French or American. It doesn't matter the scene that you're in. And it was true at Tower Records, too. Like, if you have that, like, honest love of music and that honest love of... Of just that moment. Like, that's what it's all about. And that's what life's all about to me, too. It's just like the ridiculousness of these trappings of society and mm-hmm. these words that we say and these like motions that we go through. It's all about that moment of feeling that guitar or that bass or whatever. It's just like that is the truest thing to me. And everything else is fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that, that was like
0: our, our like bond, like in those moments of like oh, yeah, looking at definitely. this fog filled crowd. And yeah. yeah, well, I mean, we had we had a kind of a slow burn for relationship. Like we knew each other for a long time, but we never hung out really unless it was on accident. And then I saw in Romania and we, you know, but still I was like working quote Uh unquote working, you know? Um, So we hung out a little bit there. We had that one dinner where the, the, the waitress had, didn't speak a lick of English. And Uh so we were just like pointing, but everything's so cheap. It's like, we had this amazing feast for like 50 cents each. But we've had a, you know, we had a couple experiences like that, and some Agalock shows and whatever. But yeah, like definitely our friendship has grown because of music, um, those experiences and Record Night, and now mm-hmm. because of Record Night, we've been hanging out quite a bit more yeah. and seeing each other at shows too, of course. Yes, so I love it. Yeah, I can't wait for the Corrado show. That's soon. I yeah. gotta, yeah, gotta get on that. Nice. Gotta practice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, did you have anything to add to that story? Oh. Because I have a little piece to add, but it's, it's like the very tail end. So anything you have to add should come now.
1: Gosh, I could talk all night about that trip because it really was. It was a great amazing. trip. Yeah. I
0: mean, uh, obviously, for you, it's like a, a great trip. For me, it was kind of like the very first time that I felt like Agaloc went to the next level. You know, it was, it, there's always these little stepping stones, but that was the very first time where I was like, oh shit, like this is bigger than anybody really knew. It was definitely better than I knew.
1: I was blown away with the amount of attention and with just the energy, the energy was amazing.
0: Yeah. And, and that was, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing trip. I wish it was a little bit longer, but it was also kind of nice because we were there for like four days, just kind of like in and out, you know? But, yeah, that was fantastic. And we played Romania a couple times after that. And it was always great, but those were festivals. This was, you know, festivals are always different. But, uh, yeah, I love Romania. The food's great. It's beautiful Mm. there. We went to Dracula's Castle. That was awesome. Yeah, Dracula's Castle. (laughs) Do you remember the fried pig fat with the onions and the bread? Like that I was I think like, that
1: might have be, you might have been treated to that separate from us, if I'm not mistaken. I
0: I definitely was, but I thought maybe
1: you had it as well. I don't think I had it. We um, also went to Castle Dracula separate from you and called it Castle Dracula, and that was not a good idea with the locals when you're not uh, with the like right town mayor or whatever. They were not happy with me for calling. It Castle That's right. Dracula. It was a bad move.
0: When when we showed up in Romania, the the mayor of the town actually came to welcome us to a local landmark. Um it wasn't the the, cross, the Castle Braun is what it's called, Castle, castle Braun, Braun, which is, is Dracula's castle. Yes. Um they I mean they play up the Dracula angle a lot. The taxi cabs, you know, have like big fangs on them and stuff there. Yeah. So I don't think they have a lot of room to speak, but Yeah, when we showed up, like, the actual mayor of the town came to welcome us and, like, open up this certain part of these ruins or something. so cool. And we're like, wait, we're just, like, some metal band from... America. We well, got it the was royal huge. treatment. We did. Yeah. yeah. We got the royal treatment. Like, government came out and opened doors for us. First, <laughs> it was
1: opposite. We caught like a bus that was unmarked, and, and the guy wasn't telling us where we're going. And we saw a castle and we got off, and we weren't even sure if it was the right castle. Yeah. And so we asked somebody, is that like Castle Dracula? And they were like, no. And we're like, well, it's castle. Like, let's check it out. <laughs> and we asked somebody else, is that Castle Dracula? And again, they made this sour face and like, no. And so uh, we're going into the place and like the the door person was like I'm gonna ask one more time and I was like so like is this castle Dracula and the guy just kind of stops and like kind of looks at me and then he just says in this dry voice which I found very charming about the region like they Mm -hmm. have this very pragmatic like dry voice he goes it is just a story you know (laughs) like excuse me goes Dracula it is not a real thing I'm like oh Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know that Uh, you're right. You're right. But is this this castle that would like? This is Castle Braun. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay. Like uh, I was almost getting myself like beaten up for like referring to it as Castle Braun because it's a. The dude is a national hero, and it's very insulting to say to the locals Mm -hmm. like, "I trump your local history by this work of fiction." No pun intended by saying Trump. (laughs) but yeah i i I would not do that again it's very embarrassing that i was doing that because yes there's a lot of history in that castle and it shouldn't be like overridden by my like exposure to dracula
0: well but the thing that um isn't quite as well known as my understanding is that yes like he lived there but that was like a very short period of time and like where like most of the shit went down was an entirely different location. Yeah, yeah. Castle Braun is just like where it's celebrated. Yeah, It's kind of well, like Christmas Day. Vlad not...
1: the, the Impala. He right. was a national healer, hero. And yeah. He did a lot of like Dracula type things of like torturing these invaders like don't fuck with this region because right. we will destroy you. But
0: that was a different location than Castle Braun. Okay. Even though if you ask anybody or say like I want to go to Dracula's castle like that's where they take you is castle Braun. which you can tell from like all the fucking souvenirs and I was I was surprised at how much they played up the Dracula angle yeah I mean I don't know if you saw the taxi cabs like no
1: we didn't we caught like a public bus like I said (laughs) no I
0: I have pictures of taxi cabs with giant fangs on them and it's like Dracula's taxi oh god and at the base of castle Braun they have like all these like knickknacks you can buy and stuff I bought like vampire t-shirts for the kids. Everything's so cheap. You know, I was just like, I'm going to fill up on all this shit. Cause when am I going to, I'm in Transylvania. Like I'm literally in Transylvania. It's crazy. So I bought all sorts of crazy crap and Uh yeah, super fun. Awesome. I bought bought a puzzle
1: Romanian box that I still have. Oh really? Good stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I have anything from there still, but yeah, what a, what a great trip.
1: Oh, the meals, like you said, these very like rich, delicious, my style of food, and just being able to feel like a king while you're living there of just like
0: bring wh- me anything. What is my tab? Ten dollars? I feel like I just ordered everything yeah. I could ever yeah. want. Yeah, uh, that was so cool. Yeah, it was. It was insane. It was. An, it was a great trip. And after, after we played, and you know, we were, <laughs> we were trying to like calm all sets down before their very first show. They're all nervous and Nij is all nervous and everybody's all freaking out. And we're trying to talk them down and they play and they were awesome. We play, we did really well. We avoided prostitutes. We didn't eat big Macs. At least I didn't. (laughs) We go back to this weird ass hotel. Just weird. Like everything's just off. It's like the bed is like the size of like one and a half beds and there's another bed that's like the size of like a half bed. <laughs> and there was like, like I don't, it was just everything was weird. The faucets worked in a weird way. Like everything was just off enough. We only slept for a few hours. And it was Don and Aesop and I sharing a hotel in Bucharest. And the next morning, Don and I, our flight, because we're both going to the same place, left at early I don't know like we'll just say 8 a.m. Aesop could sleep in until like noon or something like that so Don and I left we try to be quiet we grab our stuff we get in this taxi cab we're just hoping he brings us to the airport he doesn't speak a lick of English the promoter set up everything so we're just hoping Um. that everything's going right we get in the taxi cab we go away and we're like what an amazing adventure What we don't know is, well, we didn't know until we got home, Aesop told us that he woke up when we were getting up, and he walked out onto the balcony, completely naked, and was screaming to us from the balcony and waving to us, and he's like, hey guys, like, totally naked Uh for the world uh to see, and we missed it. Oh. It's my biggest regret in life. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh man. Yeah. That's the old, you know, I that's the only time I ever really interacted with Aesop, and I just I just uh wish I had more chances cuz that dude is is legit. He's, he's great.
0: He is. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's good stuff. Yeah. Speaking of good stuff, you have uh wait, did you play the last one? I can't remember. I think
1: now. I played Chenamel.
0: Genom- oh, that's right. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. So I got to play something. I could go again, but um, well, I'll figure out something here. What's my favorite ad lately? Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna do it. I I wasn't gonna do this, but I'm gonna do it. I don't even know how to pronounce this. thing here. Alright. I'm so new to this band that if I don't play the right thing, like I'm not sure what it's gonna be.
1: Well I'll fill up the air with talking about the brassov the difference between Brassov and Bucharest. off small town, Nick and I caught a cab anywhere in the city for less than two dollars and we started to get spoiled like, oh my god, everything is so cheap. We get to Bucharest. Catch a cab from the airport, he charges us $50 for like a half-mile ride, like holds our luggage hostage. There's giant like posters in front of people's apartment buildings so they have no view. So um avoid Bucharest. Go to Brasov if you go to
0: Romania. Yeah. You ready for this shit, Tyson? I'm ready.
4: (laughs) Mengelir itu dari muara, melebur kiri ke kanan. Saya pasang surut, saya mengutanit dari mulut, saya memuaya dari sulur. Dibina lamb yang kemuluran dari dewa kelamin. tiba di tongkrok, saya dari merekok. Ma me Saya memewan Aku mabuk dari madu dewan Jiwa tulang dan jiwa arwah Tulang dari tulangku Kerakusan aku kerasukan Di karangkar Turbuat binatang yang membuat binasa Kenikmatan <laughs> Pun syikhaan turbuat segala Dimitakan I'm not getting my doggy,
1: genius like the there's not that many aspects to it It it's really making my mind like race to a lot of it's great right Uh,
0: it's so odd so that was one song off this record I'm going to uh newspapers and organizations say no uh, not play that ad i'm gonna see if we can go on to another song though um yeah this band i don't uh, i hate how it does that I'm going to edit this. I'm just going to try to find something here. Suara. I'm sorry. 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 I'm
4: sorry. I'm 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 sorry.
0: Okay, so I'm very new to this band. I can't even pronounce the name. But I think they're local? I'm very confused by the whole situation. I recently saw them on accident.
4: Huh. In
0: Portland? Yeah and again i'm very new to these guys but from what i gather there's one main guy that leads this band and maybe a couple other bands in portland and he looks he looks like a native portlander but he talks about being from indonesia okay so makes me think he is from indonesia and his name i can't pronounce and his band names i can't pronounce so he must be but he just looks like some dude down the street Hmm. so it's kind of (laughs) confusing
4: and
0: so i bought this record at the show because my mind was blown i'm like this is the weirdest shit i've ever heard and i love the record but this sounds nothing like what i remember the show sounding like like not even a little bit And they uh i saw them with casey at the crystal ballroom and they opened up for the oc's for who the oc's
1: okay yeah.
0: so i kind of hunted them down and found the main guy on facebook and he lives here or olympia or something like that but did you find out if he's from indonesia or not? i i didn't dig that deep but. <laughs> that's really weird stuff right yeah and he did this weird kind of like swanky mick jagger dance the whole time and he had a woman on stage that danced a lot too but like she played a like a clarinet or something and Uh it's just just odd all the way around So I'm going to try to pronounce this. So the guy, his name is... Arrington De Dinoiso, Yiso. And the name of the band is... Malakai Dansinga. Malakai, huh? Yeah, but it's M-A-L-A-I-K-A-T. Oh, okay. Malachite, Malakai, Dan-Singa, the name of the album is Suwara Naga. It was so weird. The first song, I turned to Casey and I said, I hate this. <laughs> and he said, oh, I kind of like it. Uh-huh. And by the third song, I was like, actually, I kind of love this. And nice. he's like, actually, I kind of hate it by now.
1: Casey hated it at the end. Yeah, but then
0: when we left, we both bought the record. Nice. At times, they kind of reminded me of the Talking Heads live. Oh, wow. Yeah. you seen the Talking Heads live? Oh, my God. No, I'd love to, though. You're like, oh, they played at my high school. No, no, no,
1: no. I was was just... How awesome that would be. I've never seen the Talking Heads live. Um, David Byrne came to do a book signing at... uh, um, Pals. And, um, oh yeah, that's awesome. Like this uh, other used book buyer was at the head and of the um, store, and he came walking in, and the used book buyer just looked up and was like, "Oh, hey, David, how's it going?" And he kind of like froze with how like familiar this <laughs> right. like this like <laughs> yeah. retail person was with him, and he was kind of thrilled by it. Like, hey.
0: <laughs> like, he kind of, like, stopped and
1: was like, hey, how's he going? Like, yeah. it was, hey, it was this kind of cool, cool moment there. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I love the talking heads. Like, that would be awesome to see them. Yeah. I have, that has not happened to me. I, were they playing live at any point when we would be old enough to witness that? Definitely not in Hawaii. <laughs> Definitely not in Montana.
3: Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> so. We I, only got the big bands that were, like, ending their tour in Hawaii so they could then go on vacation. Vacation. We didn't have a lot of, like, in the beginning stages, bands. It was like bands who had already made a name for themselves.
0: We had bands that were either wanted to stop in Montana because it's a long drive and figured it was better to play in front of a couple hundred than not play at all. Uh Or we had the bands like Pearl Jam where it's like I'm from here, like, uh-huh. I hometown crowd, you know, or like, hey, all you fucking jock bullies, like, look what I'm doing now, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, So we, we didn't get very many people through Montana yeah. at all. Yeah, I bet. So David Byrne, love Talking Heads. I've always wanted to explore his solo stuff, and I just never have. I've heard it's great, though. Yeah, I
1: never have really explored it either, to tell you the truth. I should, though. What's your favorite Talking Heads song?
0: Oh, that's tough. Um, Putting me on the spot. Uh, I saw a Talking Heads cover band a while back at Wonder Ballroom. They were actually fantastic. Nice. Uh, I think they were called something stupid, like Stop Making Sense. But uh, they were on it. Like, yeah. They were... I think I heard of them. Flawless. Yeah,
1: I've heard they were great stuff. They're one of those bands that can make me, like, honestly happy without that background of sadness sometimes. Like...
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Sugar on My Tongue and This Must Be The Place kind of songs. Like, oh, yeah, They yeah. just make me, like, honestly happy. Like, yeah.
0: They have that... Especially in that era, David Byrne has... that. It's like that quirkiness where it's, like, quirky enough to, like, intrigue me and make me happy... But it's not so, like, quirky that it's, like, awkward necessarily, you Uh know? Like, I wouldn't really call the Talking Heads awkward. Because they're pretty poppy and pretty accessible. Uh Uh-huh. But they were just quirky enough where it's, like... Yeah. Super, like... The the rhythms and the grooves involved. It's funny to remember
1: that at the time when they came out, they were like how music gets divided over time. But at the mm-hmm. time they came out, they were punk rock. Oh yeah. Like that was punk rock music. Totally. Like talking heads is fucking punk. Yeah. Like, and now looking back, it's like, it's almost like difficult to classify them as yeah. punk. Because it's not but like that this was... stereotypical view
0: of what punk rock music is. But that was the great thing about punk is at the time it was just, it was more about the attitude than the music or like it was more about who you're involved with. So like talking heads were punk. Blondie was punk. Blondie was punk. Yeah. You know, and, A lot of people like forget that yeah and but there's so much crossover in that area like the germs you know uh belinda carlisle was in the germs for a minute i mean yeah that's crazy i think you brought
1: that up in another record night and it blew my mind like i I did i did not realize that before you brought it up yeah
0: it it's insane but that's what punk was it wasn't You know, necessarily fast, like aggro music, it was just trying new things. And that, I think that's beautiful. I love that. Like, that was the essence of punk, just something different.
1: It's it's interesting, too, the um, UK, like, embracement of uh, reggae music, which was big for me growing Mm. up on the islands and having that, like, island sound. And how anti establishment, like, Jamaican music was, mm-hmm. and The Clash adopting that sound, and that crossover of, like, these, it totally like, worked for British, yeah. like, skinheads that were into, like,
0: Jamaican music kind of a yeah, culture. Yeah, I mean, that was a really weird crossover, but, you know, I, I dig it, man. I mean, when The Clash did that, when they did it well, they did uh-huh. it really well, I yeah. think. Um, yes, they did, yeah, yeah. But it is... Like, on, on paper, it's a really weird mix. Yeah. I I
1: read a lot of interviews with, like, Jamaican artists talking about, like, the British music scene at the time. Like, that's was, like, the approach that I was coming from because I was so into, like, old school reggae that I was like, oh, what did these, like, reggae musicians think of these British artists? Right, and there was this yeah. mutual respect of, like, The Clash, like them talking about The Clash in interviews and stuff of, like... Like they respected that they were like so anti-establishment, for the people, and like
0: fuck the system. Kind that of makes the thing. sense because like politically, I guess the, they share a lot of values. It's just sonically, it doesn't seem like it would really mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that makes sense. I didn't really think about it that way. That's why like the '70s punk scene just fascinates me so much. I just feel like there's. I guess it's because like I was alive for like their Nirvana grunge thing, like. I was around for that i saw that uh-huh. i didn't see the whole like you know fucking cbgb's ramones yeah. you know revolution i wish i had me too but was yeah. um i think that's why it fascinates me so much it's such it was such a cultural change for everything due to a handful of punk kids and that that just blows my mind yeah and of course before that like Iggy and the Stooges and and David Bowie and things like that and Yeah. like those type of movements just blow my mind. Punk embodies something
1: that's very true to me. That like, well, I have this resistance slash resentment to a lot of um, kind of Portland comfortable movements of like yoga and spirituality of like everything is okay because everything was meant to be like like there's this path for life and like you're going to find the light in the end and it just kind of justifies these horrible things that are taking place in the world that there's no justification for and I have this resentment against religion and spirituality and anything where it's just like uh, this is like some kind of god's plan or some kind of like Like, no, you cannot justify the horrors of the world. Like, there's got to be fucking punk. Like, there's got to be rage. There's got to be... Like, we cannot be okay with this shit. There's no reasonable explanation for why any segment of society should suffer as much as they're suffering. And if you can use some kind of brainwashing to make yourself believe that that's okay that it's part of a plan and that it's acceptable, then that is inherently not okay and I need to fucking rage against you. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like what
0: Punk like. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Undoubtedly. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Nice. Well, cool. So this is, yeah, whatever I said before. I, I can't say it. Uh, Arrington de Dionoso's Malachi Dan the Sua Naga
1: record. Oh, sounds like you're doing good to me. Uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> but he, when I bought the record from him, he also handed me a flyer and he said, I have another band called Old Time Religion, but it's spelled religion is spelled with like with a J, J U N, something. Um, and I friended him on Facebook, and he has shows all the time in Portland, so if you're in Portland, check it out. I mean, oh, it's... Oh, I will. Yeah. It's... it's I dig it. I, I think it's really cool stuff. So, like sounds like that I just love. So cool. All right, I'm cutting that off. All right. It's time for a Tyson song. That's me but it's also time for a what are you drinking oh i bought this today this is everybody's brewing from white salmon washington one of my favorite breweries and it's called the cryo ipa you can't see it because this is an audio podcast that means there's no visual aspects tyson if you follow me is that what that means yeah we're not being videotaped it's just audio. Nobody's, Nobody's going to see us. My massive cock and balls
1: hanging over the edge of this chair. No. I might as well put my pants back on.
0: You might as well put your pants back on. <laughs> this is the Cryo IPA. And it is an obvious, obvious homage to the chronic Dr. Dre. Did you look at it? It sure as hell is. I did look at it, and I yeah. didn't
1: catch it. Disappointed in myself there.
0: It's the same little frame thing. It's the it same is. font. But, yep. um, it. yeah. but uh, it's a dude in a hoodie and a baseball cap, but his face is a giant hop. So is it bad that I just bought this based on the fact that it's a chronic-related drink?
1: You know, my first instinct was to say hell no, but more and more realizing that we are the target audience now like we are the disposable income target audience at the moment and knowing that somebody knows that we loved the chronic
0: at when we were yeah
1: like there's they're selling cars with like transformers yeah well that's so that that's slightly disturbing to me but no Mm. this is a fucking awesome looking beer
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know what's disturbing to me when i was a teenager morbid angel was one of the most vilest evilest most brutal things that nobody knew about and now people are busking outside of pioneer square playing it Mm. and right before that i went to the store and bought a beer that has an homage to the chronic on it. Yeah. So does that mean the world is awesome and the world is conformed to my ideas of being awesome? Or does that mean that my little niche of everything that meant so much to me has become mainstream?
1: It means it's a reminder of how important change and creativity is because the evil forces latch onto anything that's stagnant. Nick and I were in a fucking grocery store the a few years ago maybe at this point we're standing in line and Nick mm-hmm. stops and he's like hold on a second is this a fucking muzak version of Sabbath it was a Muzak version of Black oh, Sabbath, yeah. like, playing over oh, the speakers. And it's kind of like the nothing, like, taking over anything that's amazing and creative and new. Like, you can't hold on to it for too long. You is that a never-ending story reference? Rest on your laurels. Yeah, it was yeah. a never-ending, I didn't even realize <laughs> I was doing it. But, yeah, they're going to take over everything. Like, you have, to, you have to constantly create. There's no, like, this is the thing. You have to stay new.
0: Because the corporate powers will use anything to sell a fucking car or so is there a happy medium between being like life is good because this busker is playing Morbid Angel on the street and it's just because of corporations and change? Is there a happy medium? No, the busker thing is different, I think. Because it's a fucking busker. But he's also, you know, probably a quarter my age. Like he was he was probably dead when those records came out. Actually I'm I'm positive that he was dead before those records came out. Yeah. Why is that different in my mind? It's definitely different in my mind. So, for him, like those Mormon Angel records are like Sabbath records for me. Uh-huh. No, that's not true. Because I I wouldn't be playing Sabbath records on the street. Well,
1: I saw a kid in a um, Nirvana shirt. Mm-hmm. And there was the instinctual thought of like, he wasn't around when Nirvana was playing. Right. And then he immediately rushed into my brain. Me in high school wearing a Doors shirt, right? And like how ridiculous that probably would have looked to somebody who was into the Doors.
0: But why is that?
1: Why is my resistance to him in a, the Nirvana shirt? Right. I yeah. mean,
0: and I'm not, I'm not condemning you because I feel the same way. But that's, yeah. it's a really illogical way of thinking. Yeah. But I think. For me, what it boils down to is that music is such an intensely personal and such an intensely, for me anyway, it's a very, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's a, it's an isolating experience because I've been into such oddball music for so long that people have condemned for so much of my life that it feels weird to me when the mainstream or even anybody embraces music that I'm into. hmm So when I see the busker playing Morbid Angel, to me that is earth shatteringly weird. I mean, I think it's weird no matter what. You you gave away your riddle, by the way. I did. Yeah.
1: Fuck! (laughs) God damn it! I did. Shit! You fucking blew it.
0: All right. Nobody was gonna edit that shit out. Nobody was gonna message that in anyway. God damn it. I totally did. (laughs) Uh. Okay, yeah, it was Morbid Angel. Mm -hmm. He was playing songs off of Blessed Out of the Sick and Alters of Madness. And the song that I recorded was a little bit of Suffocation. Which was kind of like perfect because there's this classic little bass lick on Suffocation. And he played that right before I got on the Max. But yeah. Point being... I, I mean, do I do I embrace that? Like, fuck yeah, there's kids on the street playing Morbid Angel, or am I like, that's a fucking appropriation of this cultural movement? You know, yeah. I mean, for me, when it's a busker or the youth,
1: it's just like you're these screaming souls that are looking for some kind of um reflection of what you're feeling inside, and like when I was wearing my fucking door shirt or when like all these like still, like, never-ending Dead Kennedy shirt. It's just this, like, somebody's trying to find some kind of um outward portrayal of what they're feeling inside, this, like, never-ending screaming, wailing, um, putting out of energy, and it's just, like, nobody's going to understand, like, this outpouring of, like, emotion inside of me. But here I find this thing from the past that it looks like, Um, it's done and dead and gone Mm -hmm. like for me the doors for that kid Nirvana like for me the Ramones for you the Ramones it's just like there's this thing that kind of was a good representation of not exactly what you're feeling inside but it's a good representation of how it feels and it's like it's almost like you can only look back for those kind of things because anything in the moment is not going to be a complete portrayal of that because it's still like Mm -hmm. in the forming like I want to show you that this is what I feel like inside. And I need to pick something that has a ending to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to experience whatever music is in my current age. And then I'll feel resentful when some kid wears that shirt when I'm like fucking 40 down the road. But as far as like right now, I need to show you like this internal feeling I have. Okay, I picked this image. And it's not a completely accurate image, but... I'm trying to relay something out to the world of like it, what I'm feeling.
0: Yeah. But it's such a strange response. And for me, it's as
1: far as us looking at them and being resentful. of it, Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, it, but it, I mean, I've been that my whole life and I initially always thought it's because I lived in a community like Montana. Like I was in a death metal band in 90, 91, 92, 93. And people didn't know the term death metal where I lived people thought that my band invented growl vocals. You know, they just had, it it was an Island Uh figuratively. And so I always thought that my resentment was, I had this like very, very secret, special thing that nobody knew about and nobody could access. Nobody understood. And that, it felt really special to me. So then when I see people like busking Morbid Angel on the street, it makes me feel violated in a way. Like they, like, my special thing is not special anymore. Mm-hmm. When Cannibal Corpse is on Ace Ventura, like, my shit's not special anymore. That's fucking mainstream. And part of the whole appeal of this music was it's not the average. It's not the norm. It's not mainstream. So when Hammer Smashed Face is being, being played on on Ace Ventura, that, it, it kind of upsets the whole point of death metal. Yeah. No, this is a super interesting concept
1: you're fucking talking about because... It spills over to beyond music. It's this threatening of something that... It's almost a threatening of your pain of this thing. Like, for me, like when you were talking about it, I immediately started to think we were talking earlier about Dungeons & Dragons and geek culture Mm -hmm. and comic books. Yeah. And uh, how that's become mainstream now. Yeah. And when I was younger... That was not mainstream. It was like almost a confession. Like I'm reading comics and I'm playing d d right. mm-hmm. Like you are a fucking social pariah at this point. Oh, like totally. you're playing yeah. d d Like you are not going to be coming to the party. And uh, now that d d is a cool thing, there's this instinctual like resentment of that. Like, no, this was something that was precious to me and I had to suffer for this.
0: Yes. No, That that's the adjective right there. Suffer. I mean, that's... That's what it felt like. I you know, growing up I suffered for my music. Yeah. I got bullied for my music. Mm-hmm. I you know, I
1: it's it, it's funny to think about like like for you metal, but for me for you know, like it's parallel in so many ways. But if you went to school in a Smith's t shirt, mm-hmm. You would get your ass kicked or you would be alienated. Mm -hmm. And now with internet culture that people know there's a built-in audience for things, you can easily Google something like, oh, this has a following. Like in Hawaii, like if you went to school in like a Smith shirt, like good luck out there, pal. Like like you have made a statement that has just cut you off from... from It
0: it may be true today too. Something like the Smiths. But, you know, I, I remember... Um you think still today if you, like I just feel well, that now
1: somebody like even even if it wasn't the popular sentiment in like some small town in the south like and some kid goes to mm-hmm. school in a Smith's t-shirt and they're like what a weirdo fucking kid now there's this aspect of like being able to see like there's a huge following for them whereas right but back in the day it was just a weirdo like why would he be into them
0: well totally and I, I totally know what you mean like when I went to school people saw what I wear war and they're like what is this tri-fiction deicide bullshit like there's no way to look it up yeah but you know today bullies aren't like going home and like googling the smiths you know i mean maybe they are but i i doubt it i don't know they they might have like a a larger worldview of it because of just media everywhere but i guess my point with the Smiths is that they they're problematic in ways because of homophobia and Morrissey and mm-hmm. like I could see they like them being way more problematic than than other things. But I remember like in eighth grade it, maybe. No, go ahead.
1: It's almost like uh, for me though. It's almost like advancement can almost be measured in strange ways. The fact that. Smiths can be associated with homophobia. It's almost um, like there's this Queen movie coming yeah, out, uh-huh. and I, like every time there's a commercial for this Queen movie, I just blows my mind remembering when I was a kid listening to Queen, and not realizing that the, that Freddie Mercury was gay. Like, <laughs> which is like. How is that's that insane. even conceivable? Like, no. it, their name was Queen. There were music videos of him crawling over men. He had and this big biker mustache. Like, his whole persona just screamed yeah. gay. and he's fabulous. And the whole world, it wasn't just me. The whole world was
0: not thinking of them as, like, a gay band.
1: No, like, that's how suppressed shit was. But it's
0: just like Judas Priest. It was the same thing. When Rob Halberford came out, people were like, oh, shit. It's like, dude... He ran, he wrote a motorcycle on stage dressed in assless leather chaps, you know, and then he's like, oh, by the way, I'm gay. And people are like, what? Mm. No, really? Yeah. It can't be. No, it's, it's super, it's fascinating. And I think you're right. A lot of it's to do with the, how accessible things are, um, music and information in general. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just can't help but be, I'm precious about my music. I mean that's that's yeah. who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Music and those those cultures I I strongly, strongly believe that music can change the world. Definitely. And I've seen it happen. And I know it can happen. And the only time I've seen it in my lifetime is Nirvana. And I know that it changed the world because I saw it. I saw that shit happen. Like almost every Almost overnight, I saw it happen.
1: Part of the, I feel like that's part of the reason I ended up in the northwest is like
0: of course the Nirvana I, explosion. That's, I mean, for me, it was kind of an accident, but I know a lot of people that ended up in this area because of Nirvana or Soundgarden or the people that fell in line behind Nirvana, yeah. Nirvana's popularity. But that that's why I'm so in love with the Ramones too. It was. In my mind, it was the Beatles, Ramones, Nirvana. And we haven't really seen anything like that. Yeah. Aside from those bands. Yeah.
1: Just I don't know where Led Zeppelin fits in there as far as a super band.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think they're... They're,
1: they're not like a unique movement, but as far as like super... It's almost a separate thing of like this super band forming of just like amazing musicianship. And to me, I still, like, they're my huge um, hard-on for Led Zeppelin
0: will just never go away. And I always want to lump them in there somewhere. I mean, I love Led Zeppelin. I do. Um, I'm just not sure if they were one of those bands that was just like this, like, fucking black and white. Just like, it was like this. Oh, yeah. They yeah. hit. And, and then, then everything it was, changed. And yeah. everything changed. You know, when Nirvana... Would you throw Pixies in there? No. I, I think
1: Pixies really? definitely is that for me.
0: Hmm. Interesting. But, but that's why this is so interesting is because like, for me, there's like certain like black and white things for me, it's it's... pre-Pixies,
1: post-Pixies. Like there's a very like, is
0: that for you or do you feel like
1: that's like a worldwide thing? I feel like there wouldn't have been a Nirvana without the
0: Pixies. Oh, definitely. What what I'm trying to say is, do you feel like the pixies, Pixies had that effect on the world or did they have that effect on you? I think they had that effect on the world. Really?
1: Yeah. Definitely, there was like the coolest guy that I knew, Jason Iu. Like, he had all the inside line on the cool music. And when he played the Pixies for me, it was just like this eye-opening thing. So Which definitely record? for me, oh, geez, it was... Um... The first song I heard was "Wave of Mutilation." Yes, love
0: that song. Yeah, you know that that record gets a lot of a lot of hate, but I love that record. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And so I was like eating up all these Pixies things, and so for me, it definitely revolutionized me. But then that whole like, uh, you know, the loud, quiet, loud like sound oh, yeah. kind of a thing like yeah. it just really changed music.
0: Yeah. That definitely did, undoubtedly. Yeah. That's why it's so fascinating. I mean, like, like I said, in my mind, it's Beatles and Nirvana and Ramones. And because they had like this not only musical shift, but they created this cultural shift. Like I remember I remember watching Headbangers Ball like every Saturday or whatever it was. And they played Smells Like Teen Spirit. Never heard of Nirvana. Never really heard anything quite like that. To be honest, within that week, like, half of my school w- was wearing flannels, you know? <laughs> and that's fucking Bozeman, Montana, you know? People
1: on Waikiki Beach or fucking, you know, beaches in Hawaii wearing fucking Doc Martens and flannels right? and jeans. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's how, like, pervasive it was. Just, yeah. like, fucking 95-degree weather right. with, like, 98-degree humidity,
0: Flannel, yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. That's what fascinates me the the ability of music to be a cultural change. That fascinates me, and mm-hmm. I think the reason you know people like obviously listeners can't see it. And it's actually hard to see from here even. But I I've got thirty some books on the Ramones. Nice. The Ramones are like I the, my, I, the Ramones are yeah. Uh, I live and die by the Ramones. And I've read so much about them. And I think part of it is because it's the same thing. But I wasn't around for that. You know, they... It was a black and white difference when the Ramones hit CBGBs and people saw them. It didn't... It didn't go quite as fast because of, you know... I'm not sure why, like, media or, or, or whatever, but... It was, it was it was a definite change from when they started playing live they should have been if they like they should be billionaires and they did not receive a lot of financial no. success no 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 i think I, you know i think they did okay though honestly yeah, yeah. Um, johnny's whole thing was that he was going to stop the band once he was a millionaire uh-huh and they did retire before he died yeah. so i've got no proof that he became a millionaire But uh, that was his goal. So I was a
1: little behind on the whole story behind the band, like the whole like stealing of the girlfriend and the KKK took my baby away. Was about like him stealing his girlfriend away from him. I mean,
0: there's so much drama, but it's I don't know it stuff like that fascinates. It just fascinates me that some that somebody or a group of kids can create art and it changes the world. That is like it's like this fairy tale, yeah. right? Yeah. And the, I mean, that's what's happened with a few different people, like Ramones and Nirvana, and like really at its core, like Nirvana and Ramones, they're just like a group of friends that, yes, that turned up some amps and made some music, and yeah. they changed the world.
1: It's and for all my issues with Dave Grohl, like that's his like continuing message when he talks about the band. It's just like fuck, like yeah, enough with this like uh, American Idol type bullshit. Like yeah. just
0: get some friends together and start like playing some songs. And I'm not the biggest Dave Grohl fan, but you know Foo Fighters they are I mean it's it could be worse, <laughs> I guess. Uh-huh. You know, I mean it's not my thing necessarily. Same here, yeah. No. But I think he's a good guy. He you know? seems like he's having a good time, he loves music. I got nothing against him. I know that he supports a lot of bands that I'm into that are more underground than Foo Fighters. Mm. And so it seems like he kind of has an ear for different things. And people that I know that have encountered him say good things about him. So he seems like a good guy. I don't know.
3: Um,
0: I mean, I I love Nirvana. Nirvana was life-changing for me as well. I don't know. The fact that like three dudes that have no money can get in a garage with... $100 $100 guitars $100 amps crank it up and barely know what to do and change yeah. the world it it fucking fucks amazing. with my head fucking amazing the germs you know the germs That they're not a household name like Nirvana mm-hmm. but they've they fucking changed the world too and they could barely do anything I think
1: the reason I have a bigger fucking Woody for Nirvana than a lot of other bands that came out is like Kurt Cobain's like values is self-destructive and mm-hmm as he was like he's got a lot of like like solid values that i really agree with like stopping a show because like there was like a woman like being like assaulted in the audience kind of a thing totally fuck yes you can still be that person despite Mm -hmm. the like popularity you're receiving and things like
0: that yeah yeah and I, i know people that knew kurt personally and they would say the same thing you know it's not just like this legend or this rumor I mean, he was a good guy, you know. He had faults like everybody does, yeah. but oh. uh, you know, his intent was pure, and that's that's what counts.
1: I better play a song.
0: Yeah, play a song. It better be Nirvana, though. This will be or Pixies.
1: This will be. Um, it's going to be pretty straightforward. You're going to immediately know what it is. But, okay. uh We were talking about the um, reggae versus the um, UK influence. And it's going to be the Clash. It's not going to be The Clash. It's okay. going to be a song that The Clash covered. It's going to be the original song that The Clash uh, covered. Positive feedback here. Just like Donald Trump, Republican oh, New Bueller yeah. wants to Donald restrict Trump access to abortion.
2: Trump. And Bueller even cheered Trump's pardon of the arsonist rancher. Bueller.
1: Is that freedom, man? man? Turn it up. Turn it up. Bueller, man. Turn it up. <laughs>
0: Is this Freedom Rock man? <laughs>
1: So I'm sure you've heard the Clash version of the song many times, but I don't know I'm if sure, you am heard... not recognizing it yet. Oh, Clash covered this, and it's different for sure. But I love this version. And...
0: Is this Rock the Casbah?
2: <laughs> I
3: don't
1: even know what to say for that.
3: Police
2: and thieves in the street Oh yeah Fighters the nation
1: feel like I need to give you my uh, pot chocolate in order for you
0: to truly... Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Well, th- then I'll be like, oh yeah, I totally <laughs> recognize this. I've always
1: been uh, fascinated with that kind of falsetto voice with the heavy bass in the background. It's like yeah. a sound that
0: I'm super attracted uh-huh. to. Lots of delay on it. It's like... Yeah. Oh.
1: The Jamaican music scene, like, there were so many singles being pressed, and there it was such, like, a low-income area that a lot of times singles would be pressed, and if it wasn't a hit on the radio, they would immediately melt that down to reuse that wax, like, on oh, wow. other singles, so there were a lot of singles that were just lost to time that I think about, like, you know, in the pre-digital age of just, yeah. like, like, there's wow. no recording existing of it anymore on a lot of these Jamaican
0: singles that came out. That's crazy. Did you see the Snoop Lion documentary? No. It's great. You have to watch it. Yeah, he
1: took on a reggae persona or something, right? It's what? Snoop Dogg took on like a reggae persona?
0: Yeah, yeah. Snoop Lion. And uh, he did, I think he did one Snoop Lion record, and it's great. The record's really great. Oh, man. But he's. He's moved on beyond that. But yeah, 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 the documentary is about how he like adopted the name and it's like him in Jamaica and like him like getting down with the locals and stuff. It's it's fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I think about even like the, you know, fetishization of Jamaica and everything and, and like how that has not translated into any kind of like elimination of like the extreme low poverty that exists right in jamaica like like yeah. again like music like shining light on these areas and how they want to commodify it and turn it into this like commercial success kind of a thing but um they'll hopefully always be one step behind of like this music pointing at these like that society is fucked like it, by in in nature humans are like these dark evil creatures and until that's and that's something that's interesting to me to me too. in how the music that I love the most is always from these ignored segments of society that have gone through these extreme hardships, right. like mm-hmm. you know, like Motown soul or or Jamaican music or punk rock. It's always like the most in, like the most beaten down parts of society will always have like the most purest and true and heartfelt music. Yeah, and it's just like. Like, it's thinking about that does not mean that, like, I don't know, is, is suffering the most noble part of humanity? Is Whoa. the knowledge of our own mortality, of our own death, like, is that what makes us beautiful? Is
0: are getting super heavy And here.
1: I would never want to, like, justify the suffering that we're imparting on segments of society. But in general, is the fact of the sadness of our own existence, is that the nature of our beauty in
0: general? Well, I mean, I think inarguably it is to a degree you know I mean it's that whole argument you can't have light without darkness can't have happiness without sadness Uh you know I mean I think it's like when people say I can't trust somebody that's happy all the time like you've got to have both and I think art is intrinsically motivated by either sadness or uncertainty or that's where the best art comes from You know, I mean, of course, that's a blanket statement, but I think that's been well documented over the ages that (laughs) the most powerful art comes from emotions like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, nobody's, like, breaking down the door about, like, fucking, like, happy pop pop punk. Yeah, Yeah. You know. Yeah, I don't know. So I did not recognize that song.
1: Oh, that was Junior Mervin, uh, Police and Thieves in the Street. It was a Clash song as well. Okay. It was a big hit for them. They covered it. Uh, It sounds very different when the Clash does it. You want to hear the Clash version? Like back to back?
0: Yeah, I I did not recognize it. I'm sure I'll recognize the Clash one. Actually, I don't recognize this. Oh, wow. Do you know what record this is off of?
1: Um, there's the album cover there.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't really know that one. Huh. I mean, I've seen it, but it... the Clash were one of those bands that I liked, but I'd never really like, delved yeah. deeply into. Yeah. I've got Combat Rock on vinyl. Oh. You know.
1: That Guns of Brixton album I was thinking of recently when I was reading this. Uh... Like, the, you know, there's these lyrics in there It's like, how are you gonna go? Like, you gonna go with your guns blazing? Like, when they come for you? Yeah Or are you gonna go, like, passively? And, like, you know, obviously the punk rock mindset Is to, like, fucking go down, Like, taking as many motherfuckers out as you right. can And just thinking about Oh, man Like, maybe I'm gonna, like, sound Like, too, like Hawaiian Geeky, like <laughs> like like uh, anyway like just like like reading these Stephen Hawking's articles like where he's talking about like um, the real possibility of like humankind like becoming extinct or like his other fears are like that we now have the ability to like modify our genes. And it sounds like this great thing, but it's like, that's going to go straight to the wealthy. And they're going to modify their genes. And there's going to be more of a disparity between the wealthy and the poor. Yeah. And pretty much poor people that don't have the ability to have access to this advanced technology are gonna be, like, bred out of society. They're gonna be tromped down. They're gonna be fucking destroyed. Now, how are we gonna go? Are we gonna go passively, like, alright, we'll be watching Netflix on the couch. Let us know when we're not, um, like, part of your society anymore. Or are we gonna fucking be spitting in the eye and be like, fuck you. We're gonna, like, blow some shit up to, right. like, make you remember we once were. And,
0: uh, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, but... <laughs> You're getting pissed about Stephen Hawking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, that's... I don't know. That's some pretty heavy shit. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: I feel like uh, like there's so much depressing shit in the world that uh, it's very easy to get down. So, like, a, a thing that I continually tell myself is... Uh, like if you were this theoretical like like spirit or like being or whatever and you had the ability like there's this storyline of Earth of yeah. like here's like Earth being formed and like caveman and all these like interesting cultures and peaks of knowledge and societies rising and falling and like if you could place yourself anywhere in that story like what would be the most interesting part of that story to place yourself into and it would be, for me, like, right now, towards the end, where we have the most ex- ac- accessibility to knowledge and information and history, mm-hmm. and we get to see how it all fucking ends. Yeah. And, like, to let go of that, like, um, attachment to um, this needs to last forever, to think of it as, like, the story with a beginning and an end, like, it's kind of an exciting time to be alive of, like... Seeing shit fall apart—it's the only way that I can hold on to my sanity. Sometimes it's like it's okay if it falls apart.
0: I honestly don't think that'll happen in our lifetime. I think it will, <laughs> but I don't, I, I, so. I don't know 100%. I don't so. But
1: I feel like it will. I feel like when we're fucking 70, we're gonna see we're gonna
0: see shit falling apart. Oh well, yeah, falling apart. 70, yeah, that seems realistic. For sure. Like it might all just be done by the time we're 80. I can see that. I mean, it's hard to say, but yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting. It's kind of a mind fuck to think about. Yeah.
1: Well, it's different for you because you have kids.
0: Right? It's like there's it that danger yeah. of
1: thinking about your kids. Yeah. For me it's almost easier for me to think of it falling apart because I don't have kids. So well, the nature this... of our lives makes us look at it a little bit differently.
0: No, totally. And that's the first thing I think of. Yeah. You know, like if I think of the end of me at seventy or eighty. Big what? I feel like you're that's okay with fairly it. normal. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not necessarily okay with it, but that's you know fairly expected. But then, you know, immediately I think, if I'm seventy, how old are my kids? Yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a really strange and terrifying time. Yeah. And. The terrifying thing about it
1: is is it doesn't feel new. It feels cyclical, which is more terrifying to me than if it was this new evil we had to confront. It's just like, the shit never went away, and it just feels like we're stuck in this pattern. And
0: And it feels like the people that can do anything about it won't and don't believe it even exists. And that's the part that really terrifies me.
1: The advent of the Internet has made everything different in that people can connect. So much more quickly, but as far as whether that's going to have a positive or negative effect on everything remains to be seen. But mm-hmm. the ability for people to connect and mobilize and realize what's going on and access to information like that's very new thing, very new stuff. And it's interesting to see.
0: But unfortunately,
1: yeah. it feels like it's being used to divide people more and more.
0: Oh, it, it definitely is. Well, yeah, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings on that, too, because I feel like sometimes division's not necessarily a bad thing. I feel like sometimes when there is evil in the world, I mean, I feel like there's got to be some kind of like, there's got to be a point where people are called out on their bullshit. Yeah. And like, okay, like, I want to respect everybody's beliefs, but... If your belief is taking away people's human rights, yeah. then that's where you have to draw the line.
1: Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about a, a lot about it, too. Like, it's kind of a forced evolution. Like, it's shining light yeah. on these dark segments of society. And it's just like, um, something's got to give. And hopefully, like, the thing that gives is to, towards, like, illumination and, like... Hopefully. I mean... The number one thing that has to happen, mm-hmm. and Nick, who is my closest metal fan buddy, mm-hmm. when I get on these rants, which I go on fairly often, he's like, you sound so metal right now. Like, you should be listening <laughs> to more metal. Is yeah, It's like, you should. absolutely number one thing that happened is every god has to die. Like, we have to kill off this, like, fucking mm-hmm. pantheon of fucking religion if we're going to survive as, like, a human species. Like, there's
0: no way this bullshit can like continue like well and as an american it's so insane because we're i mean we're so behind on that you know i mean there's so many countries that are religion is just not an issue it's not a thing It, it It's a ghost. It's a dying relic of what their country used to be. Oh. But for us, in the last few years, it's been ramping up. It's becoming more of an issue. That's depressing.
1: Did you hear in Norway they reopened uh, the it's the very first in centuries worshipping of Norse gods temple? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But the thing that, so usually I'd be like, ah, superstition, fuck it. But they very openly say, like, these are obviously just representations of aspects of psychology and shit like that.
0: But that's the great thing about so many other religions, aside from Christianity, is that a lot of these things do represent, the, it, it, you know, I mean, people aren't necessarily worshipping some being called Thor
3: mm-hmm.
0: or some being called Odin. Their representations of of different things. It's it's a way to embrace those things and put a name to them, mm-hmm. and that's that's fascinating to me. Yeah. And here we are in America, still worshiping guns and mm-hmm. money.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend got shot in Vancouver, Washington,
0: by like random gunfire. Yeah, Vancouver, Washington, population of like nobody. Yeah. You know, it's, it's basically a suburb of Portland.
1: Oh, man. Even gun control is a complicated subject for me. It's a, it's like I, I'm theoretically like this left-wing liberal person, but at the same time it's just like... Uh, guns are a weird thing for me. I want to be able to shoot anybody. The government, you know? Like, I want to be able to fight against the government. But, at the same time, if it means that people, like, students are being killed and all these innocent people are being killed. Yeah, like, it's, it's a
0: no-brainer, man.
1: It's a no-brainer. Take yeah. away the guns. Like, yeah.
0: that's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a Montanan. Yeah. You know? It's a big um, issue in Montana. I'm not a stereotypical Montanan by any means, yeah. you know? But, I understand why people want guns. Mm-hmm. I, underst- I totally get it, but I don't get it in 2018 in cities. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, if you want a gun to protect yourself, you, you want a pistol to protect yourself from bears when you're in the mountains. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, I want a pistol when I'm in the mountains. Well, a pistol would bears. just piss
1: off a bear if I'm well it depends you'd depends want on the a huge caliber or like I mean, it, rifle or it depends or
0: but yeah i mean when when i would go hunting in the mountains we usually i was a bow hunter i we rarely hunted with guns but we'd always carry uh 30 i'm so bad with guns 35 36. oh 38 oh uh, like handgun yeah like a little yeah. little pistol mm-hmm. because of bears and mountain lions yeah because those guys will fuck your shit up quickly. Yeah. So you carry that around. You don't hunt with that, but you carry that that around for for protection. So I get that in a rural mountain setting. What don't what I don't get is these fucking douchebags that are walking around Portland with guns when they're walking their dog.
1: Yeah.
0: You know that shit pisses me off. Yeah. Did you read that
1: story about the guy that got mugged for his gun? No. Totally eliminating any kind of like argument of like gun there's there for self protection. Some guy was in Gresham open carrying. Yeah. And somebody else was like, That's a nice gun. And like held a gun to him and was like, Give me your gun. Like, that's a valuable gun. Like yeah. he
0: bugged him for his gun. It's just like I don't know. Uh, it It's so fucked up. And it's it's just like this this like overtly masculine thing that people are like trying to grasp onto and Mm -hmm. i've never had one instance in my life where i've had to protect myself with a gun no and most people i talk to say the same thing Mm
3: -hmm.
0: so why is it that like all these people that have never had one instance where they need to have a gun to protect themselves feel like they have to have a gun and that's worth it enough where other people can have AR-15s and gun down 30 people in a school. So it it doesn't equate. It's power-based
1: and fear-based, for sure. Totally. The part that's a reservation for me is, like, I want to be able to fight against the government, which is kind of that conspiracy part of my brain that's just like, fuck, like, if Trump, like, does, like, take over the government and calls martial law, like, I would want, like to be able to, like, fight back in, in some respect. And that's the conspiracy part of my brain that's like has some kind of, like, deep roots in it. But absolutely, with what's going on with, like, school shootings and the loss of life, like, I am totally, like, just give, give up the fucking guns already.
0: The thing that kills me is that most people who argue for guns, they say two things. One, protection, and two, like, fun basically. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think fun is automatically overruled. Oh, I'd like to shoot targets. Fuck you. Kids are getting killed in the school. Yeah. Argument done. Argument done. Uh, You know, protection, that's debatable. Like I've never, I grew up in Montana. I've never known anybody ever in any circumstances that have effectively protected themselves from a gun ever Mm -hmm. or most people i know haven't even had that that opportunity it's never presented themselves it's like this weird paranoia Mm -hmm. you know i i grew up with a sawed-off shotgun under my bed for fucking 18 years yeah just because it's montana got Mm -hmm. bun got buns (laughs) got guns everywhere Uh you know um Never been in that situation. I don't know that anybody's that been in that situation. Protect themselves from a person, or a cougar, or a bear. Uh, Never, ever. So, I I don't see the I don't see the issue.
1: Yeah. The Australian committee and Jim Jeffries talks about gun yeah. control in a like really funny way. I agree with, but um, yeah, no, I'm I'm all for gun control it's just the idea of like the the only reservation like i said is just like that kind of civil disobedience of if some kind mm-hmm. of right-wing government take con- takes control but as far as protection against like like protection against like i need a fucking m16 to protect against like a house robber or something like that right. which is totally fucking ridiculous yeah. and it ties into like this kind of like white male f- fear of losing control of everything. Mm-hmm. Like there's been such a clampdown of like That's such a power is. differential that if anything like gets like equaled out, like there's this paranoia and fear of like I need to have all the power, like right here in my hand. Like
0: yeah. yeah. And I hear so many people like saying like oh I can't like I can't even say anything anymore. Like everything's so PC, like I can't call somebody a fag or I can't, you know, like call a girl a chick and you're like oh, so many of these white men are just so fragile yeah you know like yeah. really is that so important to you uh-huh to like degrade somebody or like I feel like you have to carry a handgun around and you yeah. oh, know just it drives me insane
1: it's all like fear small-minded yeah like you're just like, you just like displaying like how small of a person you are that you're threatened by any kind of change,
0: really. Or homosexuality. I mean, yeah. it's such a thing, you know. So many people like, so threatened by it. By yeah. other people's choices. Yeah, it's insane to me. Yeah. So, I feel like I should play a song.
1: That has to do with homosexuality.
0: Yeah. But what do I play? Mm. I was going to ask you to play a Pixies song. Oh? Well, why why don't you you do that? Okay. You should play a Pixies song. Nice. Because Pixies, I feel like, maybe not quite as recognized as they should be. What? Yeah. What's happened here? Okay, but before, like, how do you feel about newer Pixies stuff?
1: You mean without Kim Deal?
0: Yeah. For me, uh, that was a deal breaker. Oh. Ooh. Edit that shit out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, for me, um, Kim Deal is an integral part of the band. So I don't listen to post Kim Deal pixies.
0: In I, fact, the pixies are playing in Portland pretty soon. I'm, I've missed them like the last two times they came through. I've never seen them ever. Did you know that Steve Albini.
1: Breeders was one of my first shows, Kim Deal show.
0: Oh, really? No. Yeah. I've never seen the Breeders either. But Steve Albini categorized them as being boring and uninspired when he, when he recorded oh, those records. Oh, my God. Yeah, on the Mark Maron podcast. Did I tell you about meeting Kim Deal? Yeah, at uh, fucking Pied Cow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mom introduced me to Kim Deal. Yeah, you, you have to tell that story. That's great. So there's
1: two versions of the song I'm looking for here. Let me dial it in, and I'll tell
0: the story. Is it going to be Huevo mutilation? Yes. Have you been to Fried Egg? I'm in love. I have. Have you had the Huevo mutilation? No. It's really good. Fried egg sandwich, uh, some kind of like spicy like jalapeno sauce of some sort. It's good. So the interesting thing
1: about the Pixies is if you listen to their lyrics, there's a lot of water-based lyrics. Okay. I don't know why I'm pointing that out. Maybe because I grew up in Hawaii around the ocean and Mm -hmm. then I'm a Pisces, but it's just like there's a... I found a live version... This looks like a live version. I haven't heard this particular live version, but I'm going to play it because Great. I've Let's been searching it. for a little bit. So I go to Pied Cow with my mom who's yeah. visiting. Uh-huh. And uh, visiting from Hawaii. Visiting from Palm Springs. She's moved to Palm Springs. Oh, Palm Springs, right. Point. Okay. And uh, Behind her, there's this uh, woman sitting by herself in like these like brand new like off the rack jeans and and a uh, little heavier set and just eating by herself these like br- this bread and fondue like dish, just totally like by herself just down home and I and she looks like fucking Kim Deal, so I keep looking up at her and you were like, what's the deal? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom notices that I keep looking back there and she's like, Why do you keep looking back there? And like that looks incredibly like the basis for my all-time favorite band. Um and so I just say that and we keep talking and then my, we're like getting ready to go. It's like oh I gotta use the restroom before we go. So I go in to use the restroom. While I'm in the restroom, my mom, unbeknownst to me, goes up to this woman and says to who turns out to be Kim fucking deal
0: "Um, no big deal
1: are you the bassist in some band she says it just like that are you the bassist in some band and she's like well yeah I am she's like my son really likes your band would you Uh, like meet my son when he comes out she's like hell yeah I will so I come out, and there's my mom standing with fucking Kim Deal. My mom is, like, uh, pointing at her, going, It is her! <laughs> it is her. But uh, she ends up being the coolest person, and I kind of make an ass out of myself at the end because uh, my mom and I are going to grab a drink, and I unbe- un- like, thinkingly ask her if she wants to join us for a drink, remembering after uh, I ask her that she's yeah. a recovering alcoholic, and like, oh... Like, that kind of Chris Farley, like, oh, you fucking idiot! Totally. Like, kind of a thing, but she was talking to us, stupid, like... Stupid,
0: stupid, stupid!
1: Like, totally unpretentious, like, oh, yeah, I, my, I know a drummer who's up the street, I'm gonna go hang out at his house, just, like, shooting the shit with us. Like, she was just... any yeah. Anybody on the street, she was really awesome.
0: Yeah, her uh, the drummer from the Breeders owns... Uh... A drum shop in Portland.
1: Oh, maybe that's what she was gonna no, say. No, it's yeah.
0: definitely definitely was. I can't remember which drum shop it is. I wanna say rhythm traders, but I don't think that's right. But yeah, the drummer from the Breeders owns a drum shop in Portland, so yeah. This is our last song. That was a weird version of Wave Mutilation. Yeah, I like that version.
1: Drop my car into the ocean. <laughs> I am really impressed with this area here. All,
0: yeah, I'm into setup. it. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. Um, I dig it. It's great for podcasting. It's great for mixing. It's great for writing, rehearsing, everything. Um, since people at home, assuming that somebody's listening to this, but since they can't see it, uh, I've got some... Pretty weird artwork on the walls. Uh, Most notably, I have this drawing I just got. I ordered the new Danielson family record, and uh, they have this—they include this weird drawing of Kermit the Frog, and it says "poorly drawn Kermit the Frog" on it. And I'm—I'm fascinated by it because I don't know if it's from the band or from the label. Like, I don't know where that came from, but Mm. I, I definitely like it. I've also got this really cool print. Uh, on a wood block of a sloth and a goat mix. It's got the body of a sloth and the head of a goat. And it's called a goth. Goth. Yeah.
1: i would be gone with sloat, personally. Sloat. Yeah, that's yeah. cool.
0: I've also got a map of New York City, as seen by the Ramones. Nice. Which I like. I love maps. Yep. Brooklyn, Queens. Of course, uh, Long Island is called Lawn Guyland, Manhattan, but it, it's got some, uh, different like, uh, what do you call it? Like landmarks, Ramones landmarks. I got it at the Ramones exhibit at the Queens Museum when Sweet. I went there.
1: You and your daughter just got of meet Riff Randall. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. That's pretty amazing. So I don't know, a month ago or so, um, They played Rock and Roll High School at the Hollywood Theater here in Portland. And as usual, when I saw that was happening, I was like, oh my God, holy fuck, I have to go see that. Because again, Ramones, Uh I'm a huge Ramones geek. I have to go see that. But I did not buy tickets. And honestly, I forgot about it. And then I like the day before the show... I realized, oh shit, that's tomorrow. I don't have tickets, and then it never occurred to me it would sell out for whatever reason. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah, even yeah. think about it, but it sold out. So then I I posted a plea on Facebook, and I said, anybody have any extra tickets? Like I really want to go. I dropped the ball on this. This is really important to me. And my buddy Tyson, he pretended to be sick, so I really was sick. I, I, in the same way, saw the posting
1: for it, and I'm familiar with Hollywood movies selling out really quickly now, so I immediately snatched up tickets. I was excited to show Tiffany yeah. the movie, and I just really did get sick, and I was just like, oh, like, I can't, like, I don't want to force myself to go through this because I really am sick. And when I saw that posting, it was kind of just like... Kismet. a perfect thing. Yeah. yeah. And no, then when was... I saw your picture of... Um,
3: your daughter and, Ioni and you, with like, Riff. yeah, you yeah. and
1: Ione with Riff, like it was the most like ideal situation. And then Tiffany and I watched it streaming at home together. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, she like really dug it too. No, so. it was
0: great, man. It was it was amazing. Um, you know how important the Ramones are to me. Yeah, I do. Yeah,
1: and I was so happy when I saw you posting that because it made me totally okay with not going. Like there was this yeah, guilt of I like not that. going.
0: Yeah, no, it was you know I I dropped the ball. It was my fault. And then you. St- You totally like swept in, saved the day with like hours to spare. And it was really funny because my oldest daughter, Ione has kind of been on the fence about like more extreme music. She's like kind of into it. And then she's not, and then she's kind of into it and then she's not. And I told her right before I posted that plea on Facebook, Rock and Roll High School with the Ramones is playing at the Hollywood Theater. I forgot about it. The actress that plays the lead is going to be there. I really want to go. I totally forgot about it, and I was just like commiserating with her, and she and she said, "If you get tickets, I want to go."
1: Oh man, yeah. And
0: I was like, "Okay, well, I didn't know you're really into it." And she's like, "I just kind of want to check it out." So, then when Tyson said, "Hey, I've got tickets," he sent me the tickets. I told Ione. She was like, I want to go, please. Can I go? I was like, Yeah, of course. Like, I don't want to go by myself. I've got two tickets. Like, let's go. Of course, Don wanted to go and he didn't have tickets. But, Uh you know, I only took precedence. So, good call there. Good call. So, we went, we got, we grabbed a quick dinner and we went to Hollywood Theater. And again, Ramones are so important to me. Like, I was standing outside, I saw like the marquee and I got chills. Like that's how like huge this was for me. So I got a selfie with Ioni and myself and Ioni was like excited just because I was excited. Uh We walk inside and there's like a huge line. We do the whole ticket thing. There's a line for like food and beer and all that. And I look to the left and PJ Souls is standing right there. Nice. And nobody's bugging her at all. Oh man. I'm like, that's really weird. And so I I tell Ioni like, that's that's the main girl in the movie. And even she was like, well, why isn't anybody talking to her? I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe nobody recognizes her. So we walk up to her and I just said, hey, I, I don't want to create a thing, but can I get a quick picture? And she she was kind of hesitant and she's like, I don't want it to cause a scene, but yeah, I would be happy to as long as it doesn't Create like a thing. And I was like, okay, let's just do it quick. And so we did it. We got two pictures of the three of us Ioni, myself, and PJ Souls. And she's wearing a Ramon shirt. And Ioni borrowed one of my Ramon shirts. Nice. And we Who took. Who took the picture? Uh, her manager. Okay, nice. And so we got these two quick pictures. And right after that, then people started turning around and they're like,
1: Oh, shit, it's Riff Randall. Oh, damn it. <laughs> so oh, like, you right created at, a scene. I did. I created a thing. <laughs> oh, no.
0: And so afterwards, I was like, oh. I looked at her. I was like, I'm sorry. And she's like, it's okay. You know, like, like it's bound to happen. Yeah, yeah, but she yeah. was just trying to avoid it for a while, yeah, which yeah. I totally get. So I only went into it with, like, no expectation. She didn't really know what was going to happen. Like, she had a very cursory knowledge of the Ramones. Um, she went into it and she loved it. She got such a kick out of it. And I've seen it so many times Uh and it's so dumb and goofy, but it's, it's so great. And she was loving it. And by the end, she was like singing along with the songs. And after the movie, we went home and she put on the Ramones on Spotify and she's blasting it in the car. And she was asking me like, what's your favorite Ramones songs? And now to this day, like, you know, weeks later, like she's, She's wearing Ramon shirts to school. She's wearing Panopticon shirts to school and little really? shirts nice. and like all these like metal bands. Like she's like into it now. And she listens to Ramones like on her own. She watches Ramon's videos on so her own. Cool. Like she's actually nice. into it nice. because of that experience. That's so awesome. Yeah. And she'll ask me things like, you know, what was Johnny like? Or, you know, why was Joey like this? Yeah. And then two weeks ago, we went to LA, and we went to Hollywood Cemetery, and we visited Joey and Dee Dee's, or not Joey, Johnny and Dee Dee's graves, and which was really important to me to go see. And it was really cool because Ione was just as like reverent and respectful, right. and she went up to Dee Dee's grave with me, and I I stood in front of Dee Dee's grave, and I just kind of like took a moment to like pay respects and, like, look at his grave and look at all the stuff that people had left for him. I mean, there was, like, those lipstick marks on his on his headstone. The people left empty beer bottles and, like, little toy skeletons and, like, cigarette packs and all this stuff. And we, we sat there together, and it was pretty powerful, like, to share that with my daughter. And she got it. You know, she understood. Oh. Not the way same way that I did, but she understood how much it meant to me because she shared a little bit of that, yeah. you know, with so me. Cool. Yeah. It was so great. And now she just like, she listens to the Ramones. Nice. Like it's a thing for her. It's, it's super cool. Yeah. It's fun. But yeah, I, again, thank you for that. That was oh, amazing.
1: Wow, wow. Yeah. So awesome. Nice. That, yeah. that That story is well worth it.
0: Yeah. That was great. I would resigned myself, like, it's just not going to happen. You know, I dropped the ball. It's just not going to happen. So when you when you texted me, and you're like, look in your inbox. I was like, wait, what the? Aaron's <laughs> nice, nice. like, what? what? Tyson hooked you up? And it was funny because you hooked me up for that. And then right after that, um, it was... uh, The Kamasi Washington? Was that you? No, I had tickets for Kamasi. No, it was OCs. Who hooked me up for OCs? It was... Oh. Uh, I can't even remember but it was like within a couple of weeks like two different things just fell oh it was John Chick just okay. like fell in my lap nice like, and he was like oh I can't go so yeah that's, that's awesome great. so I think we probably have time for like one more song each oh man we're doing so much talking. We're not playing a lot of fucking songs here, I know. Jason. What? I know. Well, we're what? We're at 200 minutes. Jesus, what's happening? I know. Well, what's with, with some editing. It'll it'll cut it down. All right. Well, you're up. I'm going to try another one of these. pretty good. Do you have the... Uh, over there somewhere? I do. So, uh, whenever I think of the Pixies, I think of when I first met Aesop. The, rec- the Aglock record right before Aesop joined was ashes against the grain uh-huh. and the first song on that is called limbs and when i first met not when i first met aesop but when he first joined the band he kept referring to limbs as the pixies song oh which to this day i don't really understand mm. but it was one of the first people i knew kind of like in the like extreme metal scene that was like oh pixies uh-huh. and like he knew the pixies and loved the pixies yeah. Don and John had no idea about the Pixies whatsoever, but I grew up loving the Pixies. Uh And so when he said, limbs, Pixies, even though I didn't get it, I was like, oh shit, Pixies. Like, that's awesome. And still, to this day, I don't understand why he thinks that's like reminiscent of Pixies. But I took it as a huge compliment. Nice. Are you going to play limbs now? Uh, I wasn't going
1: to. (laughs) You should. I I listen to Ashes on the Green on my bike ride to work a lot and uh, really uh, yeah like biking in the work in that like morning like Portland fog like biking oh, yeah. over like the um, Hawthorne Bridge has mm-hmm. been like a almost religious experience in the past but I don't know if that I I can't I can't think of
0: the Pixies reference right now yeah, well I couldn't either so I feel weird playing Agalloch but what I will do is I will play. Okay, so there's this this dude named Bass Nectar. don't really know who he is exactly. He was a metal dude. He was in a couple of, like, uh, death metal bands in the Bay Area. And then he started doing, like, these, like, DJ sets. And he would sample metal bands. And now he's fucking huge. He's, like, everywhere, all over the world. He does, like, the mixtape thing. And he plays, like, all over the place. And... He sampled Agalock. Oh. And there's, it's on a record and it's also, he plays it live. Okay. And he samples that song. He samples Limbs. And there is an amazing video of him playing this at Red Rocks. Okay. Because he's fucking huge. Okay. Like, he plays in front of like huge ass crowds. Uh huh. But he's a death metal kid that just like kinda like glommed onto this DJ scene, I guess. So he's in the know of like death metal stuff. He used to be an exhumed, I guess, at some point. I'm not really sure. Anyway, this is him. I don't I don't really know if the song has a name or whatever, but uh, yeah, this is the bass nectar remix of Aglock's limbs. <sighs> in the room.
3: In the
0: The Ebo guitars.
1: Oh, no, I hear it. I was listening to that, like, electronic voice. By now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Obviously it's all distorted from the mic, but this is all Aglock with voice over it right now. Yeah.
1: This is one of those billion-dollar DJ kind of guys. Yeah.
0: So this is our Pixie song. (laughs) Reimagined by a DJ.
1: (laughs) Reimagined by a DJ. I gotta follow that route. Take all my eclectic, interesting musical tastes and (laughs) just fucking play them for a bunch of rich people that are willing to pay me.
0: It just came up. That's a picture of us in Romania, actually. That image right there.
1: So when I moved up to Portland, this is the band that I basically moved into their house and went on tour with them a lot, went to all their shows, and uh, had a lot of good times with this band.
0: Really? Really? Oasis? (laughs)
1: I would have been. That would have been some high-flown partying (laughs) on my part. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see immediately one of their biggest influences was Afghan wigs. As you'll hear when the vocals came.
0: I don't know Afghan wigs. I met them at Voodoo Donuts one time. Oh, wow. Well. Just by accident. But nice. I, I don't know them at all. Musically.
1: They're pretty epic influences for a lot of Portland bands, I think. I, uh. At one time, I was on tour with them, and uh, this bar would only allow people in for free that were actually in the van. Okay. And there was, like, a set of keyboards in the van, so they let me, like, hit the keys on the keyboards for a little bit in front of, like, a crowd full of people to pretend (laughs) like I was in the van so I could get in for free. Wow, nice. And, my God, like, the jealousy of, like, being in that position like it was so empowering like fuck yes it is. yeah i'm in the fucking band
0: here it's a powerful position
1: <laughs> it felt great it felt great mm-hmm. it's hitting these silent keys that weren't plugged into anything <laughs> <laughs> if you met my friend uh, Rob Bartleson. He's a bassist for this band and if you listen to the bass line on a lot of these songs and the drums, my buddy Joey is playing drums. Like, to me, those are like the driving forces of the song a lot. their layered guitars are great. Honestly, hopefully Eric never listens to this podcast but it's always <laughs> the vocals that bother me a little bit because they're so understated and silent and okay. like emo like like the layered musicianship in the background which really just kind of mind-blowing which i feel like that kind of muted vocal performance detracted from it a little bit in my mind
0: yeah that makes sense to me
1: tour with them. Um, Our van broke down in the middle of California. It threw a rod.
0: Of course it did, yeah.
1: And uh, we were stranded on this beach in California and like half of us worked for Tower Records and we had like shifts that we had to get to the next day. It felt like this huge disaster and it ended up being like this epic like impromptu like coast camping trip where we met these two characters on the beach named Shooter (laughs) and Will And uh, they were, I don't know, like, it was this ultimate exercise in, like, don't concentrate too much on the things you're supposed to do. Like, concentrate on, like, the amazing things that are coming into your life. We, like... Right. Ended up having to get the van towed all the way back to Portland because it was under warranty in Portland. So we got a tow truck to tow the van back to Portland to get it worked on. All the way from California? Yeah. Jesus. So, uh, like most of us were in like the bed of this like U-haul that we were towing the van with like and we each got a giant bottle of booze and we just got drunk and tore into everybody's like uh, camping gear and made these like feather like beards and everything. Yeah. And uh the woman that was with us like she tried to throw a tampon at the back which like stuck to like the the bumper of the car mm-hmm. so the first yeah, gas I've, station I've we too. got to we like threw up the back of the U-Haul and ran out screaming with these, like, outfits on that were made out of all of our camping gear. And the guys had all, like, their balls, like, hanging out of their pants. And here's this, like, hit guy in the middle of California somewhere, like, filling up the gas tank with this tampon on, like, the fucking bumper of the sticker. And then all of us, like, rockers, like, running out screaming with our balls, like, hanging out. I don't know. Hadn't wow. there, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was good times. And that's what I ended the songs with, unless you have another one to
0: play. I do have one to play. Good. Uh, Is that... Oh. Is that the cry?
1: That was Slackjaw, but the drummer is in the cry now.
0: Okay, because you said
1: Joey. Yes. Yeah, all right. Joey, I still think, is the best Portland
0: drummer out there, and... but he's now
1: in The Cry, along with a few other bands.
0: But you know. So I have an interesting story about The Cry. It's not that interesting, actually. Um, so we went and saw them at that weird corner, whatever, Sandy Hut. The yes. Sandy Hut. Handy Slut. The Handy Slut. Many, many years ago. Like two, three years ago. And I'd never heard of them. I didn't know any of these people because they're all friends of yours. I didn't. They weren't Mm -hmm. on my radar whatsoever. It was like directly after that, like days, weeks after that, that uh, one of my daughters had a concert at a church for like, like a pageant basically for their school. And the singer from the Cry was there, Mm. and it was pretty obvious that it was him. I mean, he looked exactly the same as he did when he was on stage, and it kind of blew my mind because it was like such a weird situation. Like I just had seen these guys, I'd never heard of them before, and then he's at this weird church in Gresham. Yeah, you know, it turns out that one of Ioni's friends. So this this is complicated. One of Ione's friends, her father is like an uncle or something to the singer from The Cry. Okay. So there's like a complicated relationship there. But I've seen him a couple different times now in different like weird like school functions. Which is just bizarre. But even more bizarre... Is I've seen so the same friend of my daughters his I believe this is right so my daughter's friends father his ex-wife has a son who's a black metal kid so the same time I saw the singer from the cry I saw this black metal kid Wearing a Bathory t shirt and a bullet belt uh-huh. at this church in the middle at of a Gresham. Church.
1: Yeah, shit.
0: So one eye was looking at this Bathory kid where I'm like, what the, f-? like, this is like fucking like a church in Gresham. Like, yeah, who's yeah. this Bathory kid? Like, it's so weird. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's that guy I saw a few weeks ago. Like, that's definitely the singer from The Cry over here. Like, but then I saw like my daughter's friends father like hugging the Bathory kid with the bullet belt and I'm like what is going on here mm-hmm. and meanwhile there's somebody you don't know saying like is that the fucking basis for Agaloc well, right. in a fucking well,
1: church Aggressive. <laughs> the part I ha-
0: the part I didn't get to is the next time I saw the Bathory kid he was wearing an Agaloc shirt okay nice, you know, fucking amazing but if he made any connections it was not made apparent to me yeah which happens a lot now which is it's weird to me um i do get recognized quite a bit but in the last like five to six years i literally have people like standing in front of me with agaloc shirts and they have no idea
1: oh go yeah. i worked with that woman at uh, the hawthorne palace that uh when i told her that i knew you she was like kind of starstruck and there was that young adult book that i gave you yeah uh rotters yeah 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 that yeah. uh, talks about uh, agaloc in the book and yeah. she was like i feel like that's where she found out about agaloc through that book somehow but yeah she was she was pretty starstruck when like, <laughs> yeah. i told her i i knew you basically it was it was it was interesting that's... yeah
0: i know him sort of i mean we've hung out a bunch and yeah Been to Romania together, and, you know. I mean, I kind of know the guy, sort Mm. of. Used to work with a different one of them, you know. Mm. So, um... Cap this off. Cap this off. Yeah, I'm going to play something. Do it. This isn't on my list, but... You have a list.
1: I see... I felt... Totally
0: unprepared for this encounter.
1: You just told me on Monday we were making this happen. <laughs> I felt like oh, I so it's my more fault. Homework. I see how it is. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm I'm building in excuses for not having a apt playlist
0: together. Well, this is. I'm not sure what song I'm gonna play, but. I feel like I have to mark, what's the word? I have to give some remembrance to Hardy Fox, who recently died, who is the main composer and OG dude from The Residents. He died this week. Oh, man. Residents were huge for many people including myself the residents were so strange that even for a person like me who yearns for something different they were hard to grasp they they were always doing something so radically different you could never really like box them into anything they were multimedia they you know they made movies they made albums like everything was like so everything they did was so strange and so moving but it was so out there that at times it was hard to grasp so I'm not sure exactly what to play Uh, but I loved the resonance and Hardy Fox was the dude I'm not sure what he he died from but he died like two days ago so
1: life is fatal
0: Life is fatal. Uh, what's a good one to play? residence harvey fox
1: that was was good shit
0: all right so usually for the last song the guest plays something and there's no talking it's just something to close out the episode with something heartbreaking meaningful best song you can possibly think of This defines you as a person. Whoa. Oh, shit. No, I'm kidding. For people that are in bands, it's usually a song they've made. Mm. So think of something that basically you love. Mm. And do it now. (laughs) But no pressure. No pressure. Samira, Andrea, oh, yeah. well, Toby, an present. I'm originally from Somalia, Peru, Bhutan, Myanmar. We are a favorite different commercial. Places. This is but my we favorite
1: commercial. Better? I can't you know skip it. On measure <laughs>
0: So the song defines you as a person, defines your personality. Yeah.
1: I feel like there's a lot of shock in our current political climate of, wow, racism, wow, misogyny, and while I share share the horror that these things exist, like they're not a shock to me, to me, like when I was at a very young age, I realized the darkness of the world, and who's in control of it, and it's almost its almost sometimes insulting for people to think, like, to express outrage at, like, this stuff is just being exposed to them. Like, you didn't realize that the bad guys are in control. Like, they're, 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 at no time were the good guys
0: in control. <laughs> it's like so many minorities are like, oh, white people are finally understanding? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like everybody knows this song. No pun intended. But I, I don't know. Like I know the song. Everybody knows. But I. I want to say like Leonard Cohen. It
1: is. It is. And uh, there was like a. Uh, it's funny, there's this kind of like uh, cross-reference for me where this was featured in a movie that had Christian Slater in it, like Radio Free or something, about a pirate radio station. Oh, um, yeah, I've seen that, I think. Yeah, and they, they had the Leonard Cohen version on it, and so as a teenager, I bought the soundtrack, like, I gotta have that song. And when I bought the soundtrack, it was a Concrete Blonde cover of this song on the soundtrack, even though that's not the song that was in the movie. But I had a kind of satellite appreciation of Concrete Blonde, but hearing Concrete Blonde's version of this song like got me more into Concrete Blonde. Um, and I feel like Leonard Cohen's a great songwriter, and a lot of times like, the oh, yeah. covers are, are better than his original because he...
0: He's more of the writer than the
1: performer. Yeah,
0: I can see that. I'm not super familiar with his work, but... Everybody knows this song, I think. Yeah, the lyrics to this song are just... He gets
1: a little bit into, like, jealousy towards somewhere in the song, but just as far as, like... Everybody knows the system is fucked, and we're all just pretending that it's not. We're all, like, watching our, like, Netflix and going through our lives, but we all know the system is corrupt people are getting fucked over yeah and like the good guys lost basically and it's just like every time somebody expresses like outrage and that whole like pushback against millennials like that's my kind of pushback against millennials like like there's this like unearned like shock about every little minor like like, injustice, like, no, the whole world is fucking rotten. Like, right. like you don't have the right to express outrage that your fucking milk isn't sourced correctly. Like, the whole shit is fucked. Like, I don't know. And that kind of defines me as a person. Like, from a very young age, like, there wasn't this concept of, like, making the world better. And I feel like a lot of younger people feel they can make the world better, and I don't feel empowered to do that. I just feel like I want to find like my little pocket of happiness with like my hot shower and just try to like like, I'm a defeated sad human being,
0: Jason Walton. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I think that kind of feeds into what I was saying earlier about my fascination with cultural movements made by three punk kids in their garage. Yeah. Everybody knows that shit's fucked up. And everybody knows that people are powerless. But really, miraculous things can happen when three people that have like a mind for art and a mind for something, creating something beautiful. They touch people, they made something beautiful. What changed though? Bef- besides well, I mean, comfort that's, that's... for their like-minded
1: individuals.
0: Well, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's hard to pinpoint, yeah. but I think you can make an argument for musical movements making changes, like political changes.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe not permanently. And maybe not like large scale but I think it's easy to argue that that bands like Nirvana they changed the political opinions of of that generation I agree. or at least
1: or at least I agree but what not, they're aware of not nearly as fast or quickly or not nearly on the scope that i would need like the changes are so minuscule that's so depressing to me so
0: what do you need though i need fucking
1: um i need equality and justice (laughs) and
0: justice for all it's
1: so far away it's so far away like it's not even close no
0: it's impossible I mean, I would say it's impossible. Well, there's this, uh, you know, I'm a
1: huge Bob Marley fan, as you know, and then there's the Peter Tosh quotient, and there's like I the, love Peter Tosh. There's the Peter Tosh versus Bob Marley like philosophy kind of a thing, and it's just like, and Bob Marley was a little more rough on the edges than he's portrayed um, in this like kind of retro like looking back. But, uh, like there's the, um, Peter Tosh line of, uh, everybody's, um, crying out for peace, Mm -hmm. but there can be no peace until there's justice. And it's like, justice has been such a far cry from any reality in the world that it's just like calling out for peace when there is no equality when there is no justice is this kind of bastardization of what peace should really be and it's just like Grocery tax again that's like my rant against religion too like oh you so should like um, acquiesce to, to all these things because there's it, this yeah. afterlife there's that's this reward I'm in yes, the fucking afterlife, afterlife. like everybody should have their reward in you. this life and, right. right until like, everybody can have their reward in this life like there's no like Conscious that, like, there's no, like, morality into having peace. Like, nobody should be at peace. Nobody should be at peace right now. Nobody should be happy and at one with themselves. Nobody should think, like, "Oh, I'm with the God energy right now. Like, if you feel that right now, you're fucking bullshit. Because there's somebody fucking suffering un- for no good reason. There's people, like, like suffering horribly and there's no reason for that if you can justify that with your belief system then no like kind of fuck you I'm, I'm i'm sorry like like yoga spiritual person that's found your path in life like no fuck you like you should be unhappy you should be raging like you should be fucking punk at this moment there's no yeah. excuse
0: not to be so it sounds like you line yourself more, way more with punk than I would assume.
1: Yes. Although my musical tendencies are towards more like,
0: very like... But is that because you're tempering your punk mindset to calm yourself down? I feel like...
1: I've, I've described it in, in I'm so pessimistic that it becomes optimism in a certain point like uh, the world is so fucked that any kind of temporary happiness I can have is a fucking miracle so I love like the concepts of reggae of like dancing in the sun and like being with people that you love it's a miracle that you can experience those microcosms of happiness and contentment because the overall picture is that it's fucked kind of a thing so you're an
0: empath you, you can't be happy because of your circumstances when other people are suffering.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've always drawn. I've always been drawn to that, like Johnny Cash song, "The Man in Black." Like I always wear black because of, like I'll stop wearing black when there's somebody in the world that isn't suffering, kind of mm-hmm. a thing. And yeah, until every one of us is free, until every one of us has the same opportunities as everybody else, then it's, it's like not it's not going to feel right to feel comfortable in my position kind of a thing and my position being that I have all these opportunities so at the same time it would almost be a sin to not enjoy the opportunities that I have Mm -hmm. like to be whining about like the position I'm in is kind of fucking bullshit like I can take a hot shower every day. I've got like these like meals. Hot showers are a big thing for you, but to not enjoy those things, to not enjoy like riding my Vespa in the sunshine would be like kind of a cardinal sin,
0: kind of a You thing. get to spend time with Jason Walton. Absolutely. I mean doing people podcasts like,
1: and shit.
0: Yeah. You've got you've got two Marshall amps behind you, a Fender Twin. Damn you got two custom made amps behind you, Five-string an eight thousand dollar base. Um uh, eight
1: thousand dollar base?
0: Right behind you. That's an $8,000 base. Oh, yeah, my God. Don't touch it. I touched it earlier when you <laughs> weren't in the room. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I, 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 I 100% know what you're saying. Um, I just didn't... I guess I didn't understand that you felt that way. Yeah. I got a lot of rage. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... I mean, the world's a fucked up place. It is, yeah. It definitely is. So, do you feel like that's like a... Okay, so reggae and Hawaii, like, do you feel like... I'm not sure how to say this exactly, but you're from Hawaii. Do you feel like reggae is like a logical expression from Hawaii? Or do you equate that more with, like, Jamaica? There's an
1: island sound. There's an island feel that mm-hmm. connects to Jamaican music. There's even a, a genre of music that is called Jawayan, which is... Jawayan, Ja-wayan really? which is... There's not a lot of quality shit that comes out of there. But, I mean, there's some good stuff that comes out of Hawaiian music, but there is this hidden rebellion in that kind of island sound of like, this is the way life should be. And this is what Western culture has kind of fucking robbed from us. Like, especially the history of Hawaii and uh, how Western influence kind of robbed like a lot of like the things that, the things in the music are expressing so there's this kind of hidden like rage of like being robbed of this like very human very connected to nature Mm -hmm. kind of a feeling where uh i feel like just listening to it in this like oh yeah oh reggae man oh yeah smoke the spliff like this kind of like comedic Mm -hmm. like approach to that like it's you're not really seeing the like um commitment to that kind of like no I realize that that's where the value of life is and I realize simultaneously that that's constantly being trod on and fucking destroyed but I'm holding on to every instance of beauty that I can grab onto and there's Mm -hmm. like rage in there it's just expressed through this kind of like you know like Lilting Reggae beat Kind of a thing But like The rage is just like Not as apparent But the rage is Still very much there Even in like Hawaiian like Easy listening Like kinda Yeah yeah Music
0: Yeah I get that So But you do realize That The world would never be just Yes Yeah You'll never be in a position Where you're like Oh, okay. Everything's cool. There's no injustice. There's no starving. Oh, 30 years from now, we're going to reach that point. 30? Uh-huh. Oh, because everybody's going to be dead yeah. because of...
1: <laughs> yeah. Be no injustice.
0: <laughs> yeah. It'll just be like a nice little... Yeah. Yeah. Because half of the U.S. will be too hot to inhabit, and the rest of the U.S. will be flooded basically yeah i don't know i think we're all
1: we'll be flooded here yeah
0: from tsunamis
1: well there'll be superhumans in artificial intelligence or there'll be total climatic climate disaster i don't know Got lots of happy thoughts.
0: Yellowstone <laughs> will blow up, and the whole like fucking Mount Hood thing oh, will yeah. happen. Yeah,
1: we got the Mount Hood thing, the earthquake, liquidify, the whole like Earth will be liquefied, and mm-hmm. our earthquake. that's new studies have shown that the the Earth will be liquefied around the Willamette River there. Mm-hmm. So we're screwed.
0: No, <laughs> I'll be fine. I'll be fine though. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I'll yes. be cool. I do have hope. I've talked a lot about you have hope. I do no, have hope. Really? I do have for hope. For what? Because Republicans will die? I feel
1: that if a mass realization exists, which that's what I don't have a lot of hope for, but I feel like the... Um, humankind if they can suddenly make a mass realization of like shit this shit needs to happen like suddenly it's just like oh man we need to respond to climate change or we need to move to the stars or we need to do this massive change like I feel like change can happen really quickly so I feel like the potential is there for humankind to evolve and when I talk about the darkness of the internet I also think that that's a potential for humankind to evolve as like a unit kind of a thing like oh yeah, mm-hmm. you can't evolve unless your flaws are pointed out and the internet and social media and all that is pointing out our flaws and it's pointing out a need totally. to become something better and yeah. so I feel like humankind as a species is at a point now where it's being forced to become something better or to die out mm-hmm. so I feel like there's potential to become something better and that is a possibility and i hope for that but i'm almost scared to hope for it because like i don't want the heartbreak of hoping for it and then it not coming to fruition yeah but there is a background of like i hope we can become something better as a species
0: yeah that makes sense but chances are (laughs) i mean the good thing for you and i is you know We'll be out of it, or soon out of it, before any of this shit happens. Yeah. It's just gonna be my poor kids that have to deal with these fucking assholes that are denying climate change. Yeah. And denying rights to women and people that don't live in this country.
1: At the same time, like, it's good that you do have kids, because otherwise we'd be leaving it up to all the Trump
0: kids or whatever.
1: Right. Like, your kids are the battle for the future.
0: No, my kids will change the world. I'm I'm sure of it. Especially Ellery. She'll fucking change the world. I hope so. No, she will. She will. If anybody's gonna do it, it's gonna be Ellery. (laughs) Ellery. More so than Ioni, even. Yeah, Ellery's fucking... She's just, like... You know knife to the throat like i don't give a shit what you say this is what's right this is what's gonna happen oh. fuck you yeah yeah shut up you old man <laughs> what's
1: blowing my mind is that i am an old-line man like the, as as liberal and as forward-thinking as i think i am yeah. yeah tiffany does this a lot for me She's like 10 years younger than me, but she also thinks of things in a vastly different way than me. And uh, to be confronted with my own ego as far as thinking that I've reached a point where I was like evolved and had like a set way of thinking that was like the most evolved. Like I am the liberal. I am the model of what it should mean to be a liberal human being. And then... be in a romantic relationship with somebody who shows me these inherently flawed like basic parts of my thinking that are just like kind of nuclear bombs going off inside of my own brain like the fact that somebody else can do that in me like to think of what like somebody like Ellery will be able to Provide for the world as far as like oh no like let's strip all this shit down and start o-
0: start over again. Yeah, and that's what that's what it feels like. You know, like Ellery's like, it feels like she doesn't have any nostalgia or any like connection. She's just like, yeah, burn it all, burn it, burn it, yeah. all you fuckers. This is fucking bullshit. There's a huge part of me that. Just wishes that somebody like Ellery would come in and just be like, you know what? The concept of, like, your countries, your fucking cultures, like, all this, like, this is failing. Yeah. Like, this is fucking bullshit. We're all the same. Not the same. That's the wrong way to put it. But just, like, we're, we're all people on this earth. Like, let's all be great to each other. And... Yeah, let's celebrate our diversity, but let's not be assholes to each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the shit that, that Ellery says about politicians is hilarious because she has no idea, but she gets gets like, this like cursory knowledge from like what she hears in school and what she hears on TV or whatever. And she's like, like all these guys are just they're just like talking about bullshit yeah
1: yeah so, yeah the fucked up thing is that those people in power are gonna make her burn it to the ground, like we shouldn't have to burn it to the ground. can we build on what we already have? but I feel like shit has to burn to the ground,
0: yeah, I mean, Valerie a match <laughs> but but that's that's the hope for the future, right? yeah, I mean, as crazy as that sounds, like the hope for the future is those kids that have that match and they have that like passion and they're like, you know, I. it feels like I get what you were trying to do in the past, but no, it's not working. I can sit here for decades and try to figure out how to correct what you've done,
4: but I've got this match.
2: It'd be much
0: easier for me to burn all this shit down and start from square one.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I don't know.
1: I need my hot showers and Netflix while it all burns down. I'm an
0: old man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the hot showers. I love hot showers,
1: man. It blows my mind.
0: I feel Why? like. Why a hot shower?
1: I feel like there's something about the concept of modern plumbing and having the ability to turn a knob. And you know, I have the removable shower head and everything.
0: Yeah, those, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not into You're
1: not a fan of that, but the fact that I can turn a knob and there's hot water that like flows over my body, that's one of those things where it's just like something about my brain is able to appreciate that every day that it fucking happens. Like there's a lot of shit we take for advantage, like heating and indoor plumbing and all this shit, but it's just like the fact that I can just go into a room and have warm like hot water just flow over my body like i'm stoked about it every time daily i'm stoked about
0: hot showers that's all i can say you do realize that that sounds crazy does it well from a person who lives in portland oregon with you know that has a job yes yeah. that sounds crazy
1: yeah maybe some of it is connected to my awareness of the fact that a huge portions of the population don't have access to that shit. I don't know, but no, that feels I'm, like... I'm, I'm sure you're right. But... I just... Uh, so, uh, Nick and I would always say, like, living like kings. Like, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. like, if we were living in the 17th why are we so century... so blessed? Why are we so blessed? Yeah. And if I were a king from, like, the 17th century... And I had access to it. Like I would give like Seven Kingdoms or something to have access to like a hot shower. Like it would be this like phenomenal like mm-hmm. thing. And the fact that more than people than I have access to that somehow diminishes is that in the modern world, like oh yeah, everybody can take a hot shower, no big whoop. But why is it any less of a miracle? It's still a fucking miracle to me that I can take a fucking hot shower. <laughs>
0: yeah i mean and you're right but at the same time like you could say the same thing about like oh shit, i don't have polio yeah you know yeah like oh my god like no polio like high five
1: which is one of my most amazing concert experiences
0: getting polio
1: I was really in the Israel Vibration. And oh I had only heard them. Great. This is before music videos and internet and all that. And then they, like, played in concert and they went with my buddy, uh, Jason. And, uh, they come out on stage. And the two members of Israel Vibration, I had no idea, met in, uh, uh... In, uh, They had the uh, crutches and everything. They met in, like, a. Uh, place for people who were suffering from polio and so they experienced partial paralysis and they came out singing on crutches and everything but they had not advertised it on any of their albums or anything like that i'm like holy shit like i am really stoned right now and i don't know what's going on
0: (laughs) (laughs) speaking of stoned i have to pee really bad do it so i'm gonna let diggable planets go for a minute thanks well it just ended. All right, Tyson. Go so hippie to close us out here. Wait, wait, okay, hold on. Before you pl- before you press before you press play. Yes. Last song of the night, usually no talking. We just let it let it go. No talking afterwards. Oh. So, this is our last hurrah of our friendship.
1: Last hurrah of the
0: friendship? Yeah, right now. Okay, can I
1: preempt the song by talking about it before the song starts? Yes, because there's
0: no talking during or after, so.
1: Well, we talked a lot about rage and darkness and pessimism. Yes. I feel like I talked a lot about that, and I think this is what we all need to, like, get away from that
0: oh so this is getting away from all that yes all right well tyson thank you so much for joining me oh man i it's had been a pleasure. blast yeah it's, it's been great i loved your stories i loved connecting with you on this level nice. and uh yeah it was awesome let's do it again sometime
1: definitely okay. i would enjoy it even without being recorded and broadcasted but that made a interesting aspect to like <laughs> <laughs> know that my words are being recorded for all time. Next
0: podcast, we won't record it. <laughs> the unrecorded podcast. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> all right. Take Thank it away,
1: you. Tyson. All right. I'm taking it away.
4: My name is Samira. Our Andrea. Commercial. I love this one. I'm originally from Somalia, Peru, Bhutan,
1: Myanmar. We all come from different places,
4: but we are united by our values. And
1: we are voting no on measure 105 to protect yeah, me too. the place we call home. <laughs>
2: Gotta get away for a while to ease my head Everybody knows that's a way to do it Gotta get away for a while to ease my head Everybody knows that's a way to do it Everybody knows that's the way to do it Gotta get away for a while to ease my head Everybody knows that's the way to do it I guess you could say I'm getting away from the lights Away from the noise and buildings that in the sky That's a way to do it. Gotta get away for a while to ease my head. Everybody knows that's a way to
1: Thank you, Tyson. Thank you, Jason.
0: Nice. See you next time. I'll see
1: you soon.